Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Theater Enthusiast and Other Things podcast. Last episode, I said I would rap the introduction. I'm not a rapper. Do you want to try and rap it, Stefan? Yo, one, two, one, two. This is the live show. Yo, Theater Enthusiast and Other Things podcast. See, you, you, got, see you got bars? Okay. I can rap? I, yeah, really. you, yeah, you, you're, you're, yes, you can rap. No, I, I would I love, I would love to put you in, I would love to put you in the cipher and just do like, what do they call it? Uh, Sway in the morning does like the five, like kind of like the five gauntlets. I have gauntlets. no idea what that is. Okay. But anyway, guys, welcome to the newest episode of the Theater Enthusiast and Other Things podcast. This week's episode stars Stefan Padaway. Hey. Yay. Thank you. Woo. Yeah. All right. Everyone's excited you're here, Stefan. Thank you for having me, everybody. Yeah. All right. I'm going to turn off the app now. Guys, as always, I am drinking out of the Hot Priest mug. Our Hot Priest prayer candle is lit. And we're we're off to the races. Cheers, Stefan. Cheers. Stefan is drinking out of an Angels in America mug. Would you like to tell the people what it says on the back? Oh, what it says on the back. Fuck you. I'm a prophet. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right, so welcome. Um, so before we get into interviewing Stefan, I have forewarned Stefan about what's happening with this podcast because it's the season, guys. Award season, which is my favorite season, mm. is upon us. And the Golden Globe nominations just came out. And I am happy to say that our favorite hot priest was finally nominated. Yes. Finally. And he also got a SAG nomination as well. He has two, I think. Really? Yeah, because um, I don't know if you know about the SAG Awards. I'm sure you Yeah, do. the Screen Actors Guild. Yeah. yeah. They, um, they um, nominate ensembles of cast. So Fleabag got a nomination for that as well, which is great. And I've heard nothing but good things about Fleabag, too. I think I actually might be watching that probably on Christmas Day. Yeah. yeah. I personally think the second season is better. Not because Andrew Scott is in it, but he is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think it's better. Now, the big thing I want to talk about with the Golden Globes is, I mean, as, other than, like, who would be nominated and all that, is the controversy behind the directing category for film. Yep. How there are no female nominees. Mm-hmm. Now, the same thing happened a few years ago and Natalie Portman said in here all the male nominees. And I think what happened later on with the Academy is they nominated Greta Gerwig. So what is your feelings behind that? I think that it's this industry is still a boys club. Mm-hmm. And I think that when we hold each other accountable and we call the industry out on kind of the favoritisms, mm-hmm. they like to kind of backtrack and they kind of say, oh, no, 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 we'll nominate them for this. But it's like, no, you don't need to slide and backtrack. You just need to hold yourself accountable. Mm-hmm. You didn't you didn't nominate Greta at the time because you just didn't think her piece was worthy. Well, I mean, maybe. it was I for Lady Bird. Yeah, and, and Lady Bird was great. Yeah. I freaking love Lady Bird. Lady, but she did end up getting two nominations for the Oscars. I think she got screenplay. Best screenplay. And, yeah. Um, and director. Directing. Yeah. But it was more like she got she got a lot more love and attention. I think more in the independent in the independent yeah. films and the Spirit Awards and stuff like that. But I think. Again, I just think that this industry can be very cutthroat in how they treat women and how they they don't really see women as equal. And I just constantly keep asking, like, who votes on these things? Like, who's the determining factor to well, say the these directors are here? the Hollywood Foreign Press has said that they don't 
uh, vote based on gender. They based on like the quality of work, like mm-hmm. of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have to say, honestly, like there's nothing I'm really excited about this year. Not really. Um... I mean, I will say I'm very excited about Jennifer Lopez and Hustlers. I personally, I did. We will talk about marriage story. Okay, okay. Stefan and I right. did talk about it. Yes, yes. Um, I personally think Laura Dern should win an award just for her hair alone because she had amazing hair in Marriage Story. And I'm not saying that Laura Dern wasn't incredible and deserving of anything in that, but I just, I'm like Team J-Lo for that. She's, it's probably going to go to Laura Dern, uh-huh. but I'm Team Jennifer Lopez for the award. You know, I was, when I watched the film Hustlers, I was impressed when I watched J-Lo. It wasn't the pole dancing scene. It was the physical transformation itself, like... Yeah like the opening scene mm-hmm. of when you see her and how captivated you are. And then another scene where she and Constance Wu meet for the first time yeah. and how just she, there was something kind of pimp esque about her. Yeah. Uh, I just, I don't like to say it like that. Cause I don't like to think she's a pimp. I like to think, well, no, character. it's not her. It's the character. It's the character. And the character is a hustler. Yeah. But you know, the thing is, this character Lopez, pulled, this character yeah. pulls you in yeah. and Jennifer, she really did pull me in. Well, the thing about Jennifer Lopez, too, is that she was really great in Selena. That was kind of like her big... Her big breakout. Yeah. Classic. And then she also was fantastic in that Steven Soderbergh movie, Out of Sight, with George Clooney. Yes. Yes. And, you know, while you were talking, it literally just came to my... Ooh, I just hit my mic. Mm-hmm. Guys. Hot mic. Um, she, You see her more romantic comedy stuff. So Of course. She's a very good dramatic actress too. Yes. I mean, like she did this like independent movie like thriller where she like sleeps with a student. She didn't realize it was a student. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I she remember was, that one. I mean, like that wasn't the best movie, and she no. was okay with that. But like, you know, she has like a good, good quality film like Out of Sight or Selena or Hustlers. Like she's not that bad of an actor. She's actually very good. Yeah, I completely agree with that statement. Yeah. But then, like you said, when you go. What Lord Dern bought to, you know, marriage story is, you know, she bought warmth. Mm -hmm. She does what Lord Dern does best. Yeah. She brings this certain level of... That's why she's going to be a great mermaid in Little Women. Stefan is very excited. He didn't... He didn't vocalize it, but he put his hands up in the air like he just don't care. Yeah. Y'all... I just think that Lord Dern is... I've yet to ever see her deliver something that wasn't good. Yeah. Like, you can put Laura Dern in any film, mm-hmm. and she always delivers love, yeah. heart, compassion, fire, feist. She is literally every woman. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, I mean, she's been nominated. How many How many times has she been nominated for an Oscar now? I'm like, not really sure. She's but been I, nominated for like almost like every type of I award, will wanna, though. I do want to say one thing, though. I want to know... What was behind her taking off her jacket in the courtroom scene? I think when I when I was I watch actors on actors, mm-hmm. and this year uh, there's a couple. I'm behind You got it. You got it. Well, when her and Sterling K. Brown sat and talked, I knew I had to watch that one because those are my two favorite actors. Mm-hmm. And I think she had spoken about how with her character in Marriage Story taking off. Like, her character is all about making people kind of feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. She has to catch them. She has to get them to open themselves up. And the only way to get them to open themselves up is if she makes herself more open. So when she, in Marriage Story, you know, like, in the office, she took off her shoes. In the courtroom, she took off her jacket. It, it disarms people. It's a tactic. She's tactful in that yeah. way. But 
again, still like somebody who is empathetic mm -hmm. towards everyone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, now that we're talking about marriage story and we're not going to harbor too much on the globes because, you know, like I said, I'm not, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, to be honest, I'm not happy with all of the nominations. Mm -hmm. There were a lot of films in the independent market yeah. that deserved so much more love and respect. Well, you know, the thing is with the Golden Globes, too, people forget that. They think it's like the first awards, but that's not. At the end of the day, sometimes it has absolutely nothing to do with the Oscars. I mean, it's kind of like the first awards. So it doesn't, it, but example, it doesn't, it doesn't, though. It doesn't, it doesn't. So Aaron Taylor Johnson uh -huh. was nominated and won for Nocturnal Animals. Yes, great and, performance, and by won. the way. Yeah, he wasn't nominated for anything else. Michael Shannon was. Mm -hmm. He won the Golden Globe. He ended up not even winning or being nominated for the Oscar. Yeah. But the thing that's interesting too is usually like with the acting categories, whether it be like leading actor or actress in a musical or comedy or drama, those are usually the actors who are up against each other for the Oscars. Mm -hmm. But I noticed this year with the leading actress category in comedy there really none of those actresses will most likely be nominated for an oscar yeah i think that it's pretty evident like who it's going to be between for each award i think lead actress is going to be either between judy judy garland renee yeah. zellweger mm -hmm. um or Charlize theron i'm probably going to go with renee zellweger on this one and i only say that because judy garland is an icon yeah you know and there's so much history and story behind her and her legacy also though that's actually was one of my favorite actors on actors uh conversations it was between tom hanks and renee zellweger mm -hmm. like the how those two could literally just talk about everything and anything but they spoke a lot about the history of judy garland and everything and renee just just looking at the trailer for it, I was like, oh my God, I don't even recognize Renee Zellweger. She looks yeah. crazy. But, yeah. you know, in a Love good way, you know, yeah. you know, but Charlize Theron, I mean. I'm seeing that movie on Saturday. I'm going to definitely so, go check it out next yeah. week as and then well. At some point during this podcast, we're going to do something called Review It, where we're going to review something. I saw the Nutcracker and Tootsie yesterday, so I will be reviewing those. Please do. Um, oh, it, it'll happen. Okay. Um, so probably going to be Charlize Theron. No, not Charlize. Uh, Renee Zellweger. Yeah. Leading actor is either going to be between Adam Driver or Joaquin Phoenix. The only reason I feel like they need to give it to Joaquin Phoenix, and this is only me saying this, mm -hmm. is because just I've seen a lot of performances, but I've never seen when a performance or film hinges literally on your leading man. Yeah. And he's somebody like Joaquin Phoenix, who's incredibly captivating, who's charming, who's sweet, who's dark, who's he, who has so many layers that he's peeling back. Mm -hmm. The only reason why I feel like if they wouldn't give it to him, it's because he doesn't play by the rules. Yeah. But I also respect that about yeah. him. It's like, look, man, I'm about making the work. I'm about making my money. And let's just move on to the next thing. Why are we making small talk, you know? Just... Well, I will say that um, when Amy Poehler and Tina Fey hosted the Golden Globes one year, they were saying, oh, Joaquin Phoenix, he said that, you know, awards aren't this and he's in that and he's probably not here. Oh, hey, Joaquin. And he was actually at the Golden Globes. Um, I haven't seen The Joker because I'm kind of uncomfortable with it because of everything that's happening. Yes. And I just also didn't want to spend $16 to see it. Well, that's another thing that's just hard about yeah. going to the movies these days, period. It's movies have gotten super expensive. Yeah. Yes, there are deals that are going on, yeah. but I mean, $16, $21, $20, yeah. $23 to go see a movie. Yeah. And the fact that people, theater goers aren't exactly the most respectful 
ones in the movie theater these days. Like they're not always trying to experience the movie. Some people are taking pictures in the movie. Yeah. Some people. I haven't yeah. experienced that. I have more of a problem when people are seeing a Broadway show and they're on their phone. Oh god! But that's another topic. Let's oh yeah, continue I was about on. to say. Let's yeah. Not try and get yeah. Okay. Back. Okay. Okay. Because we can talk. We can do this. Can, you know. You know me. I mean, I'm trying to keep podcast short, guys. But Stefan is here, which means we're probably gonna be here for two hours because he and I have a lot to talk about. So much. Like this is the first time she and I have literally sat down in a room and talked since 2013. So it's been like. But we follow each other on the social media, so we know what's happening with everyone's lives. That's so, true. That's um, true. It's how everybody so knows what's going on in everybody's life. Getting back to um, leading actor, I think that Adam the Driver, character though. of the Joker is a little bit more showy than what Adam Driver's character was yeah. in Marriage Story. I will say that um, the scene, if you haven't seen Marriage Story, spoiler, there's a scene between... Scarlett Johansson and Adam Driver where they're just fighting and screaming and crying yeah. and I actually cried. Yeah. And his performance is just so subtle. So I think for me, like his award moment mm -hmm. quotes is that scene and the scene where he's singing being alive. And shouts out to Noah Bumbach on his writing. Like yeah. I, that, that particular scene mm -hmm. After going through all that, and then his character, Adam Driver's character, is going back to New York, and he's getting with his friends again, now divorced, mm -hmm. and he's in the he's in the piano lounge, and I was like, oh my God, they're playing Being Alive. Like, wow. I never, well, it, it came out of left field, but it was like, it works. Yeah. It, everything about, everything about Marriage Story felt uncomfortable, mm -hmm. confusing, funny, mm -hmm because of the serious content within it. So they had some comedic relief moments, but it made me really just, I was even just impressed with Scarlett Johansson. You know, I'm, I, I think she's okay. Has she impressed me over the years with her acting? No, but that's, but that's what it is because she's to me, like many women in this industry, Scarlett Johansson has been hypersexualized. Yeah. And I think that, it's okay to be beautiful. It's okay to be sexy. Everybody is. But at the end of the day, when you get, when it comes down to just the work itself, you got to dig deep and you got to get personal and you got to let it come out. And I think Scarlett had that in this movie, but I also think it's because she had somebody like Adam Driver who just, you know, Adam, he, when he goes, he goes for blood, man. I will say that when I was watching the movie, I'm like, I wonder if somebody else could play this part. And then, because sometimes when I see a movie... And it's, you know, in the award season and all that. I sometimes had to, like, dig into it a little bit more and research it more. Mm -hmm. And I totally forgot that that, like, six-minute monologue she did in the beginning of the movie. Yeah. It was written, but, like, her doing certain things, like walking around, was improvised. Mm -hmm. Like, her getting up and blowing her nose in the bathroom. Mm -hmm. And then I realized, like, having thought about that scene more was, like, how good she was in that scene. Yes. And, you know, for me, a lot of the movie, a lot of the acting, I feel like, you know... When I saw Maggie Gyllenhaal in Three Sisters, mm -hmm. it didn't hit me until the end of the show, like how good she was on stage mm -hmm. because she was just so subtle and just so natural. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a lot of what Marriage Story was too, that it was yeah. just all just, I don't even know if subtle is the right word, but it was just all no, I, natural. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think you're right about that. There was definitely a natural, it was a natural progression. It was, the relationships were clear yet complicated yeah. there everything about the movie was just human yeah and like i said it's like i felt for both of those characters yeah. 
And then you have to think about what the child is thinking. Yes. You know, that's going to be the sequel, Marriage Story 2. How does Harry or Henry, the child he- I think it's Henry. Henry, yeah. Well, in, his, in Henry's character, it's like he, he was, I feel like he often sided with his mom. Yeah. Um, but at the same, because Adam Driver's character, oh, she bumped the mic again, everybody. I hit the mic, guys. Hot mic, hot mic. Hot mic alert. But I think uh, with Henry, I think he understood, I think it was complicated for him, but I think he, because he comes from, you know, he came from New York. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Well, he so, was originally born in L.A. And, well, originally, yes, born in L.A., but I mean, he grew up around the New York, he grew up in the New York theater scene, he grew up around, like... The fact that they were cursing around that kid, dropping f bombs and stuff, mm-hmm. and it's just like he wasn't phased by it at all. So I don't, yeah. I don't think the divorce was killing him as much. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, also like the subject wasn't really on him; it was more so the parents. I think Adam Driver said somewhere that the movie is a love story to divorce. It is. Yeah, and I just, I, I find it interesting too because I come from divorced parents. Same. So it's for me, it's a little, it's a different. I don't know. I viewed it a little bit differently, maybe than somebody else would. Do mm-hmm. we have Stefan is live streaming right now? I'm trying to live stream. This is my a, first time doing this. Do so we have any viewers? Uh, looks like we got one, two, three, four, five, six. Well, yeah, about six. And oh, hey, what's up, viewers? Hey, viewers, how Hi. you doing? Uh, one of one one of my friends commented, Stefan, such an actor, actor to the core. Well, thank you. I appreciate um, that. I know Stefan for many years, and I would 100% agree with him. I mean, Allison is also, Allison's also an actor to the core. Do not let her, like... Yeah, my uh, joke at work is I act like I like people. I even tell guests are like, are you, are you an actress? I'm like, I have a degree in it. I act like I like people. I mean, <laughs> but, but I mean, you're a boss, but you also play a lot of characters who are bosses too. So I'm just a boss in my life, man. That's, that's it. Women are bosses. Damn right. Guys. You know, yo, shout out, shout out. Women Stephon are bosses. Is a wise one. Oh, trust me. And, and you were saying, so you're, you're a child, you're a child of divorce. Mm-hmm. And I mean, when did your parents get divorced? It's about like three or four. So it's been, it's been many moons. They're both now happily remarried. Wonderful. With, with children. They've been married to their significant others for over 20 years. Do they have a good relationship now? My parents? Yeah. No. Oh. But we are not here to talk about nope, my, no, no. Okay. my no, parents' no, 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 no. personal Never mind. Life. Never mind. Um, but just as somebody who, like I said, has divorced parents, you know, you kind of think what it was like for them back then mm-hmm. and the circumstances. But I was also a kid. And, you know... Yeah. I always say everything happens for a reason. It and, does. You know, everything is all good. Now, let's move on because we, we've been I, at this for a while. Is there yeah, anything I else would, you want to add? I would hope, I would be happy with either Joaquin Phoenix winning the Oscar or Adam Driver because I think I'm a fan of both of their works. Yeah. Adam Driver, over the years, I've just, I've watched his progression as an actor, mm-hmm. the work that he does, and I'm just... Marriage Story was truly, I was like, okay, this dude's, he's got something. Mm-hmm. Like, I've all he, you know, Adam Driver, he often brings that that intensity to the work that he does. Yeah. But I actually saw him uh, a few months ago. Did you see him in, did you see him in uh, Burn? How was that? I really wanted to see he that went, production. The play itself, I mean, he was great. Brandon Uranus was great. I like Carrie Russell, but she was just, she, she was there. I don't uh, know. 
interesting though because Jake Gyllenhaal was supposed to do that show. I remember. And I think he was supposed to play the Adam Driver character and I remember just sitting there trying to picture Jake Gyllenhaal in that part and there were moments where I could but like a majority of the time I was like there's nobody else who could do this other than Adam Driver. Yeah. With that, with that, because I think the opening monologue mm -hmm. is literally Pell, I believe, Pell. I don't know. Yeah. Well, the guy, he comes in and he's just raging and ranting about New York and how screwed up it is. And yeah. I feel like, yeah, who else can probably rage for like 10 minutes on stage? But I will say this about Jake Gyllenhaal. I've seen him. Did you see Seawall? I saw everything. Oh, yes. I've seen everything Jake Gyllenhaal has done on stage in New York, with the exception of Seawall, A Life at the Public. Mm hmm but then it came to Broadway. Yes. Um, I personally think Jake Gyllenhaal is better on stage than he is in film. Really? Yeah. Expand on that just a little bit. I know, I, I please mean, tell me. I also haven't seen every Jake Gyllenhaal movie. About to say, you better get it right, girl. Well, you know, he's nice to look at. But <laughs> I I don't know. For me, like the things that I've seen him in on film and then apparent, just like seeing him live, I just mm -hmm. think he's better live. He... I saw Seawall with him and Tom Sturgis. It was great. Fantastic. He he actually changed my perspective on how one-man shows can be done because mm -hmm. structurally he navigated the script so well, mm -hmm. so subtle. He was personable. He was connected. He was present. He was live. And I was like... But I also feel like I get that from Jake Gyllenhaal when he's working on camera too. Like he's very... He's engaging. Mm -hmm. He He's smart. He... You can't take your eyes off him. Yeah. You know, so, but I, I would love to continue to see him do more theater. I wish I would have gotten a chance to see Sunday in the Park with George. I heard. They're doing it in London. I can't afford it right now. Well, you can just watch clips on YouTube. They have bootlegs everywhere. Yeah, but they need to stop doing that, though. You need to pay for your experience, people. Pay for it and then get a bootleg. That's a, that's another discussion, bootlegs, but. We're Boot, not yes, no. But no, let's no. train. I'm. Um, because we still need to talk to Stefan about a lot of stuff with him. So I okay. want to kind of close the whole conversation about the acting category. So mm -hmm. we mentioned earlier Laura Dern and Jennifer Lopez. Yes. I think it's going to end up being Laura Dern. I think so too. Yeah. And then, but I am I'm very proud of Jennifer Lopez yeah, for that I performance. Think she, I personally think J Lo will like flip out if she gets an on it. She'll definitely. She did flip, like she literally yeah. posted an Instagram on just like. Oh my God, I can't believe yeah. I got nominated for an Oscar or yeah, I got nominated for a Golden Globe. Yeah, but I but the fact that she was just flipping out about it. So, And also, the supporting actor category. I feel like there's... That's that, the hardest category for that me. That I don't feel like... A lot of people are predicting Brad Pitt. No. Really? Who do you think? Pacino or Pesci? Pacino. I haven't seen The Irishman. It's Irishman. a it's a three hour three and a half three and a half hour film. I can't it's, commit to that yet. It's be it, all right. I'll say this cinematically, it is beautiful. Mm -hmm. uh, shouts out to producer actor Dominic Larufa, uh, who's all, you know he's also in the project. Um, there was something about watching Al in it. Um, he was, it just showed you like Al Pacino still got it. Like yeah. he, like he bought Jimmy Hoffa to life in a way that Jack Nicholson even didn't bring Jimmy Hoffa to life. Yeah. Um, and Pesci, like I said, Joe Pesci was so, it was a different Joe Pesci. He's older, he's subtler, yeah. he's a boss. Yeah. So, but I, no, I, I think Al Pacino might take that one though. I don't know. I mean, we'll see. A lot of people are predicting Brad Pitt, but no. you know. I mean, Brad. Look, Brad was good in that film. However, I find that I'm still thinking about. Uh, I still think about DiCaprio. Yeah. 
Yeah. And because he was like the freak out scene and the freak out scene apparently was improvised. DiCaprio don't improvise often. Yeah. So like to get somebody like him to kind of go to that well, length. Well, it's interesting it's... too. I'm not a huge Quentin Tarantino fan. I know. I have I seen a understand. lot of clips of the movies and the, the scenes that DiCaprio did and all that. Mm-hmm. Like DiCaprio in um, Django Unchained. Yes. Like you've never seen him play a part like that before. No. And I think that's the power of Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. And I think Quentin Tarantino is a little weird. Yeah. But, you know, he gets great performances. Like, oh, crap, what's his name? Samuel Jackson? No. The German actor, Christoph, Christoph Waltz. Waltz. Oh. His two Oscars are from Quentin Tarantino films. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. So he can get the actors to do stuff. Yeah, and how do you how do you make somebody who hunts down and kills Jews likable? Yeah. Only Christoph Waltz can do that. Yeah. I don't Actually, know how. That's, that's, that's yeah. <laughs> That just brings me back to, like, an SNL sketch that they did where they were doing, like, Fifty Shades of Grey auditions, and Tarum Killam was Crystal Vaults. Okay. Yeah, you have to YouTube it. I have to YouTube this now. SNL does these great, like, um, you know, when they have different impersonations of people where it's like, here is, like, auditions from, like, Back to the Future. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or Star Wars. Or Star Wars, yeah. And then they had a... Bobby Moynihan as Danny DeVito audition for uh, BX or whatever the picture is. So that was great. But, you know, I will say, I think best film, it's either going to be Marriage Story or probably The Irishman. Like I said, there's nothing like... There's know, nothing really that's wowing yeah, this I year mean, with I'm, the Oscars. I mean, the year that Call Me By Your Name is out, guys, everybody knows that I was, like, for that movie. But really? It, oh, do you not see my computer? I have Call Me By Your Name stickers I know, all I over know, it. I yeah. I have a Timothy Chalamet love. I have a prayer candle of Timothy. Did you see Timothy's uh, new film there where he plays uh, Henry? No, because, you know, the thing is with, like, a lot of movies being on Netflix, I just feel like I don't have time to sit and watch this. Well, it's just too much content now. That's yeah. that's another thing. It's too much content. Yeah. Also, I was talking to um, my guest last week about mm-hmm. this, um, and we were talking about the Ziegfeld Theater. Mm-hmm. how Netflix has purchased the Ziegfeld to show their movies and do premieres. Yeah, events, yeah, I just read about that. Which is so fantastic. But then we were saying that, why are we going to spend all of this money to see it on the big screen and then watch it? But screen, yeah. I will say that when I was watching Marriage Story, I said to myself, I wonder if I would have a different feeling about seeing this on my television as opposed to the big screen. Mm. Because it's something, because it's a story that's some, it's a story that's very personal and very private that you'd like to view in a private way. Well, I mean, I don't know about that. I mean, seeing a movie, if I'm going by myself or with someone like, you know, movies are escapism. So if I'm seeing Mm. a movie, you know, unless like I'm not enjoying it, my mind will go elsewhere. True that. But if I'm intrigued by the movie, like I'm sitting there watching it and everything else kinds of fades away, kinds of fades away. That's not English. Kinds of Kinds fades. of fades away. Yeah. yeah. You guys know what I mean. <laughs> so to me, I mean, it doesn't really make much of a difference. But, you know, sometimes if you're at home, you get distracted by something else. But I made sure when I was watching Marriage Story, I, like, was watching Marriage Story. True, yeah. I made sure I wasn't distracted by it. I did pause at one point because I really had to go to the bathroom. Mm. But other than that, I sat and I watched it. Mm -hmm. The King, I really need to, like, sit down and commit to. Um, I will eventually. I also just find, I mean... Again, I know this is another podcast. I feel like we got to. I feel like I got to come back in this podcast and talk some more because, like, there's a lot of stuff with this. But yeah. how do you feel about you know a lot of the content nowadays? Like, or there these movies that 
are solid, great cast, great mm-hmm. scripts, everything going to streaming services. Do you like it? Do you not you like know, it? I'm I not, mean, to be honest with you, I'm do you miss of, it just going to the theaters the way it used to, to be? I miss going to the theater. I, I understand why they're doing it. And I, I'm a little old school in that way where I kind of mm. like the idea of like, it's coming to the theater. You know, to me, if it goes to the movie theater, it's a bigger deal than it'd be like, oh, it's streaming on, you know, Netflix. And, you know, they have these movies coming to Disney Plus, like, that I forget about. Like, if these Mm. big movies are coming to, you know, a streaming service, I kind of forget about them. And there's also, like, some things that are going to a streaming service that aren't even getting promotion for. Like, Not at all. My celebrity crush is Henry Cavill. I jokingly call him my future husband. I take it you saw his Netflix show, right? Uh, no, I did not. But it did get picked up for a second season. I do know that. So okay. But there was a movie he did called, I believe it was called Sandcastle, and it had Nicholas Holt in it as well. Exactly. You don't know about it, but it's a Netflix movie, and there was no promotion behind it. Oh. Yeah, and this and this TV show Witcher that he's doing. Yeah. I feel like that's gonna get you know it's gonna do well because that has a following. Yes. But he only did press on Kimmel and he didn't do like any other talk shows for mm-hmm. it as of now. Mm-hmm. But you know, if it's something that's a well-known show, like Mrs. Maisel, mm-hmm. you know, yes. which has Emmy awards, you know, they're going to get press. It's just, it's, it's kind of interesting what gets press and what doesn't. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe like the Amazon prime gets more press than something like Netflix. Amazon prime definitely is getting more press. And I think yeah. it's because Netflix has been around just a little longer and Netflix has just, it just yeah. has a following already. Yeah. So it's like you, if you're on Netflix, Oh, by enough, the way, I did watch all of season three of Mrs. Maisel and it was fucking fantastic. I haven't caught it yet. I will be watching it soon. I promise. Yeah. I also heard Sterling K is, in, yeah, is on this one. Yeah. I will say that there, there's a scene in an episode where Maisel is trying to teach um, Susie how to swim. Funniest shit I've seen in so long. Like, what? I, I was like, this is Alex Borstein's third Emmy Award for this whole segment. And Jane Lynch was fantastic. Yes. So she should definitely win another Emmy. I love Luke Kirby, who plays Lenny Bruce. Mm-hmm. He did a movie like eight seven eight years ago called take this waltz so i refer to him as the hot guy i know i know that i know take this waltz yep yeah so i refer to him as the hot guy from take this waltz mm. um and if you I, haven't seen take this waltz that's actually a very good movie michelle williams seth rogan oof yeah sarah Pauly pa- directed it um and it's also sarah sarah silverman in a dramatic role and she's very good in it and sarah silverman again another very I know they kind of clown on her with her stand-up comedy, but she, like most comedians, they can they can do the yeah. realest shit that you've ever seen. Sometimes comedians are really great dramatic actors. Sometimes I think they're just better than they're better than the most dramatic actors. Yeah, and then dramatic actors sometimes can't act. Nope. Comedy. They can't. John Hamm is probably the greatest exception of a man who could do both the drama and the comedy like that. Well, I'm Robin Williams too. Robin Williams, yes. I often tell people that, yes, I've seen many of Robin Williams' films. I always will give him props for Goodwill Hunting over The Fisher's King in Good Morning Vietnam because there was something about Robin's energy that was so subtle and still, mm-hmm. and I think that's why he got that award. Because you don't... Every movie Robin Williams... It's funny because that movie was actually on the other day and I watched it. Which one? Good Will Hunting? Mm-hmm, and I was like, yeah. wow, Matt Damon's like really great. <laughs> Matt Damon was really... He's yeah. just, it's not your fault. Don't, don't fuck me, Sean. Don't fuck me. Yeah, yeah this is classics. It's and, a great movie. And, ben, and just Ben Affleck. You know, I know he gets a bad rep in this industry, choices. But like, 
Ben smart. Mm-hmm. He knows what he's doing. And he, when you give Ben that platform to really get that moment in a movie, mm-hmm. he delivers. Well, also the thing is with Ben Affleck too, is that he now writes and directs. And, yeah. you know, he, this is another thing with the awards has sometimes, I don't know what the fuck they're doing. He was winning all of the directing awards for Argo. Yes. And when it came Great to film, the Oscars, the he wasn't nominated for directing. He wasn't? I no. thought he was. No. And he was winning, like, pretty much every single award for directing. Mm-hmm. And he was not nominated for director. And it's funny, too, because I was watching something, and I think they might have been interviewing Clooney or someone in conjunction to Argo. Mm-hmm. And they were saying, you know, how do you think, uh, like, Ben Affleck feels about not getting nominated? And he goes, well, I wasn't nominated for an actor either, so there you go. Mm-hmm. But he did end up winning for producing Argo because it yeah. did win. It did. It did. And, I mean, even George, somebody Best like George. Feature. Yeah, well, even somebody like George Clooney, who's produced and directed quite a few films in his mm-hmm. career, he's never been nominated for... Uh, uh, best director and well I don't think his films have gotten to the point of him being mm. nominated for that I mean they might good have no, well, but it was kind of Good Night and Good Luck I feel like did deserve a nomination it probably, for I think David Strath Strath Theron yes thank yeah, you he, he was oh, well the There's whole ensemble of Good Night and Good Luck was great Blue Car that he did and nobody knows about it. It's this tiny little independent film that came out, I think, probably when I was in, like, high school. If you mm-hmm. haven't seen it, watch it. It's a very interesting movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, hashtag me too. That's all I'm going to say about that one. Yeah. Um, so, let's move on. Transition. She just wanes world it. <laughs> you thought I would catch that reverence. So, now that, now that we discuss the other things part of this podcast, which I'm sure we'll jump back into. Yes, please. Stefan. Yes. So, Stefan and I went to Pace University. Shout out to Pace. What up? What, what? what so, up? So, Stefan, now it's time to talk about you and interview you. So, okay. what I would like to ask you, and I'm stealing a quote and I'm changing it up a little bit from Almost Famous. What is it that you love about theater? What is it I love about theater? That is a great question. And that's why I asked it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think what I love about theater is that it's live. Mm-hmm. It's raw. It requires you to bring everything that you have ever experienced, encountered, and to make a story about it. And theater... As I used to, I used to lecture out at uh, Las Vegas UNLV. Shouts out to that. Um, what I used to tell my students is that uh, theater, you only need a, you only need a space, you need an audience, and you need the artist. That's it. You don't need a script. You don't need anything. Hence the. Yeah, I theater. It just requires a space, an audience, and the artist. It doesn't need a script or anything like that. And I think the idea of theater is that it brings communities and cultures and everybody together for each other to learn about each other and to become better people. And, you know, story and these are stories about humans, human beings, human experiences, human life, nature, all of these different things, the gods, just so much stuff. So for me, I there's. What it is about theater is, oh God, this is just, I could go on for, about, for days about this. And that's why I felt like this episode yeah. was going to be a, a, an extended episode. Yeah, Because yeah. like, I've known Stefan for many years, and I don't mean this in a bad way. Yeah. But Stefan likes to talk. And I do. And he has a lot to say, and Stefan is very smart. 
and he's very good. I got it from my mom. Yeah. And he's also an extremely talented actor. Thank you. So just enjoy the ride, guys. <laughs> Continue. Um, I mean, to sum it all up, I, I just think that's what theater is. Theater and why I love it so much. It is, it's the only place where you can just go fail laugh at your failure and create more and build more and bring more and add more and love more and hate more and the nature it's the nature of the spirit of creativity so have you directed yet or no i was going to i mean our senior uh, my senior year i think you had just graduated uh mm-hmm. the year before was the, the i graduated two, oh nine. Oh nine. yeah so Two years, in 2011, I was going to direct John Patrick Shanley's Savage and Limbo and rep with Danny in the Deep Blue Sea. Shanley was the first playwright that I had ever encountered coming from North Carolina to New York City. And uh, Danny in the Deep Blue Sea was my first scene that I had ever, my first play that I had ever read by a New York playwright and did scene work from in, in undergrad. And... I was blown away by, first of all, John Turturro originated the part, and I was a huge Turturro fan, mm-hmm. and what that role just required, the pain, the mm-hmm. the loneliness of this character, uh, the fact that these two characters kind of needed each other, the conflict between mm-hmm. them, and I was just, I was like, yo, if I could direct a show right now because about the human experience mm-hmm. and people trying to find self-acceptance and love... Why not do Dan in the Deep Blue Sea and then rep that with Savage and Limbo? And I just had all these ideas, but I booked my first off-Broadway show oh. at the same time. So I had to pick between directing mm-hmm. and I had to pick off-Broadway. And, you know, the young 21-year-old was like, hey, man, it's my senior year. Let me do Broadway, off-Broadway right now. So Do you regret that? No. Yeah. Because at the time when I did the off-Broadway show, it was called Angels, uh, Black Angels over Tuskegee. Yeah, I remember that. Um, fantastic. Shouts out to Leon Gray and the cast. I was working with uh, Rob Morgan. Mm-hmm. Um, and if anybody is familiar with Rob Morgan, he is a talented actor who is right now in the new film, uh, is it uh, Just Mercy? With Michael B. Jordan and Jamie Foxx. Yeah. He's got another film with Issa Rae. He's been in the Marvel movies. He was in Stranger Things. He is... He's dipping and doing he's it. He's dipping and doing So I got to work with that brother before he really just shot up to yeah. the fame and success. And working with men, working with black men and just learning about my culture and just working off Broadway. So that's also something we're going to get into a little yeah. bit later. Yeah. Um, but let's continue on with, um, your journey from pace, because like mm-hmm. I say in every podcast, the main reason for this podcast is whoever's listening. It's okay. Stefan is trying to live stream with a bottle of shower gel holding up his phone because <laughs> my mom wanted shower gel for the holidays. So I bought her <laughs> after buying her a very expensive gift. Um, I'm a good child. I'm a good yeah. daughter, guys. Well, now, um, I've, now I've stopped live streaming, so oh, let's just now. let's just get it. Let's so just get back let's, into let's it. Let's just get into it. Yeah. So the main point of this podcast, like I say, is for people listening who want to get into theater, who want to learn about the different aspects of theater, who want to 
do it for a living, they kind of get different people's perspectives. So yes. Shafat and I went to Pace together. Mm-hmm. And I want to know what your audition process was like for Pace mm-hmm. and what made you decide on Pace. Okay, great. Let's jump in. So Also, just for the record, Pace is a lot different now from a when lot it was different. when we were in college. Yeah, and we're going to definitely, and I'll, that's probably going to be like my final like button of it all. Yeah. Um, so in 2007... I had just kind of come from New York. I had auditioned for USC. Mm-hmm. Um, I was feeling really good. It was my first time in New York. I was just excited. Pace University was almost like an afterthought. I feel like that's for everybody. Yeah, it was. <laughs> like, like, people well, forget Pace yeah, was there. Pace, pa- yeah, it was like Pace University was that. I found out about Pace University because of my cousin, who also is my accountant. Shout out to her. What's uh, up, cousin? Hey, cousin Tammy. Hey, girl. Um, so my cousin had told me that she watched an episode of Inside the Actor's Studio. Mm-hmm. And she was like, Stefan, you should go to this school. It's Pace University. They do this thing called Inside the Actor's Studio. You really like it. I was like, okay, that sounds kind of cool. Guys, by the way, I was on an episode of Inside the Actor's Studio. Yes, she was. You can YouTube my clip. If you YouTube Matt Damon, I'm stuck on you, you're welcome. <laughs> oh, she she was a Matt Damon lover for real. That's not my favorite Matt Damon movie, though. Well, you know, the thing is, is that I wanted to ask him a question. Uh-huh. And... You know, everybody was asking all the questions I had in my head. And I remember either reading or watching an interview about the movie Stuck on You, and they said that they made this rule about when they were attached in the costume, never to go number two. So I wanted... (laughs) And also, the Fairley Brothers, there was a lot of controversy behind Shallow Hell. Yeah. So I kind of wanted... Wait, what was the controversy behind Shallow Hell exactly? Well, Shallow... Do you know the premise of Shallow Hell? Oh, I love that movie. That's one of my favorite Jack Black performances. The um, Shallow Hell controversy was a lot of plus-size women weren't happy with the subject matter of it. Yes. So that's the controversy, pretty much. Mm-hmm. But that movie was years ago, so... Yeah, I, I get that. I mean, I, it's interesting, though, if you... I literally just thought about this. I, I don't know how that movie would come out today, though, in today's climate with... Shallow How? Yeah. You know... women loving their bodies more and well, all that. Body positive... Well, I think that's what, as I look at Shallow Hell now, mm-hmm. that's what the film missed, it yeah. missed body positivity. Mm-hmm. But again, it was, it was also, also more about inner beauty. It was inner beauty, but it was also told from the perspective of this Shallow guy, Hell. Shallow yeah. Hal. So, you know, if you did the movie again, what if you could do it from the perspective of, Gwyneth you know, Paltrow. Gwyneth Paltrow's character and whatnot? So yeah. I would love to see a reboot of Shallow Hal right now because I think it's relevant. Let's do it, Stefan. Yeah, I, would you be down? Stefan Petaway. and Allison, the yes. actor. Don't, 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 don't yeah. throw yourself off the bus. I have directed, guys. It's fine. I be, and we can even do an independent style too. We Perfect. can get it on a budget. Perfect. Yeah, I'd, I'd be starring in. role in something. But let's get back to you because I feel like I tend to get sidetracked. No, no, no. We so I do. So yeah. do I. Um. All right. So anyway. All right. Audition for USC. Cousin told me about Pace University. Mm-hmm. I no, just put, putting it out there. Um, Pace um, Actor Studio moved from New School to Pace University my freshman year of college. So that's how Pace got Actor Studio. Mm-hmm. Um, Stefan and I went to the undergraduate program at Pace. Yes, but then Stefan will get into it later. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, 
But we were able to go to inside the actors. Studio. We also used to work at the Michael Schimmel Theater Center for the Arts, mm -hmm. so we had access to setting up the tapings a lot. We had access to meeting James Lipton, his wife. The I never student. met James Lipton. You I, never met James? No. Well, I don't. I was front of house. Like I wasn't. I met his wife Ketakai many times, and yes. she was always very, very lovely. The sweetest woman. Yeah. The sweetest. Um, James was kind of hot. He could be kind of a hot and cold type of guy, but yeah. that's just the way it is. That's show business. Anyway. anyway, all right. So, um, I just, I wanted, to, I was going to apply to Pace University and I was like, wait, I think I should go to there to audition, but I don't have any more money. I can't get back up to New York. Also, I was about to go to Africa by that point as well with my, uh, theater troupe in high school. So I decided to make a self tape. I decided to get the photography professor to just take a picture of me, and I went into the theater space. I shot it with a friend, and I sent it off to Pat Woodward. Rest in peace, Pat Woodward. I miss you every day. Um, I didn't hear back for weeks. It got to a point where I was about to graduate in two weeks. I was like, dude, I don't even know where I'm going to school right now. I got accepted into... Uh, North Carolina Central University, an historic African American college in Durham, North Carolina. Did you Carolina. get into UCLA? No, I, I did not get into USC. Oh, USC. I did not get into NYU. I didn't get into Yale. I didn't get into any school that I wanted except for like North Carolina Central, which is like most kids, a safety school. You know what's funny? Because I had Carrie Bond McGinnis yeah. on, you know, Carrie. Shouts out to Carrie. What's up, Carrie? I, miss, I remember your performance in Medea. I'm never, I don't forget those type of things. And Medea, yeah. and also Medea will be at BAM, which with Bobby Cannavale and Rose Byrne, which I'm super excited to see. He's very good on stage. Oh, uh, Bobby's, I saw him in uh, the, I believe is Harry Ape. Uh, oh, yeah, on the, that, on the, Park, at Park Avenue, and my boy Charles Bryce is doing a show right now. Which there. I'm seeing with the hot guy from Take This Waltz, Judgment Day. <sighs> Let's say you ain't got an extra ticket. <laughs> it was Stefan. I love how Stefan is always like, "How do I get tickets for stuff?" Stefan, you buy a ticket. That's how you get a ticket to stuff. I know. I, I know. got the cheap fifty nine dollar ticket. Yes. Join TDF. You can get cheap tickets on that. That's how I saw my two shows yesterday. Another another way for uh, artists to get uh, tickets nowadays, uh, if you are a member of Actors Equity, uh, they generally give out uh, comp tickets for certain shows uh, throughout the day. You just have to kind of go up there and just see. Sometimes they have tickets some days. Some days they don't. That's how I was able to see the seawall on Broadway with Jay Jonah and Tom Sturgis. I don't know if it sold as well as they thought. The same thing kind of like with Betrayal. Yeah. Yeah. I think Betrayal started out selling well, but, you know, as time goes on, you just got to remember, this is a Pinter play. Exactly. You know. Pinter's not for everybody. I no. thought it was a great production. Oh, I loved it. I saw it three times. Oh, you wow. Know? I, yeah, I, 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 my, uh, one of my great friends, Rose, uh, Rose Torres, I was like, she's in love with Tom Hiddleston. She is like, not even a fangirl. It's like, no, I want to have his babies. Like, we're going to be together. So I saw that show with Carrie, and there's a scene where like Tom Hiddleston's daughter's like sitting on his lap, mm -hmm. and Carrie just turns to me and goes, "She's so lucky." <laughs> and so 
you eventually uh, got into Pace. So I got into Pace probably two weeks before I was graduating. I got a letter in the mail. And usually when they send you an acceptance letter it's for a college, it's a big envelope. Mine's was a small envelope. Interesting. And I knew, and I was like, oh my God, I got, I got rejected. I guess I was just going to look. So I go in and it's like, dear Mr. Stefan Pebble, we'd like to cordially invite you to the, I was just celebrating like, yeah. Did you get um, a BFA or did you get a BA? What I was start, your degree? I started with a BA. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, how they were breaking down the BA versus the BFA. And I said to myself, I was like, hey, I really want to like, I want to focus on acting completely. So I was like, I'll get the BFA. Mm-hmm. So Pat Woodward, uh, I was able to go in, change, uh, write some forms to change the concentration. You didn't have to re-audition for the BFA program? No, ma'am. That's that interesting. No, ma'am. No. When I auditioned for, I mean, I already told this story on the first podcast, but when I auditioned for Pace, I auditioned for musical theater and I didn't get in. Really? Mm-hmm. And then I auditioned for Amy Rogers, and mm-hmm. she said, you know, you want to do all of these things, like direct and whatever, why mm-hmm. don't you just do BA? Mm-hmm. And then my junior year, after doing a show called The Food Chain, yes. I was talking with Grant. Gretchen. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I was having a brain fart his last time. And he was, like, helping me figure out classes. And then he's like, wait, you're a BA. He goes, why don't you get a BFA? Because uh-huh. you're taking all the BFA classes. And we'll just use your audition for the food chain, like your performance in the food chain, as like your audition. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have to re-audition. But That's Amy perfect. Rogers did say that if I do want to re-audition for musical theater, I can. Mm-hmm. So I, I, that's why I thought you would have to have audition for the program. Then. I think at that time when, um, when I wanted to change, it was literally just in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Like I hadn't really done a show. I yeah. was just doing mostly crew stuff, mm-hmm. but I was, I think they just, you know, they trusted me. They, yeah. I think they saw my audition tape and they're just like, yeah, I could see you more as a BFA yeah. and they, you know, it's in my nature. Yeah. So. What would, like, how was your experience at Pace? Because... Everybody who knows me knows I had a very rough senior year. Yeah. And um, I just want to know what your... And this is, again, nothing... We're not putting down anybody no. at Pace. This is just your own no. personal experience at Pace. How is Pace for you? So my experience at Pace University as an as an, as a black man... I'm, I'm going to say as a black man, too. But yeah. You say whatever um, you want to. My experience at Pace, both as an artist and as a man of color, was that I got tremendous opportunities to work on every level. I did everything from Charles Dickens' Hard Times to original pieces to cabaret shows to black box studio shows uh, by Tracy Letts. I even got a chance to... You did uh, Bug, right? Uh, yeah, I did Bug. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not see that. <laughs> And here's also, and I think, because again, going back to my senior year, there was a there was a big divide in the senior acting class. Yes, and, I remember that. Um, a lot of people thought I didn't see Bug because of who directed it, mm-hmm. and that wasn't the case. It was just I knew what the content of the show was, and yeah. I knew I just want to be like that's not something I would see. Yeah. And also, it kind of interfered with the show that I was directing at the time. Which show were you directing? How I Learned to Drive. You were directing How I Learned to Drive, yeah. So it had absolutely nothing to do with who directed, who was in the show. Yeah. Because I'm not an asshole like some people in the yeah. program were. Mm-hmm. You know, like I remember I did Dog Sees God, Confessions of a Teenage Blockhead, and there was this girl I was friends with, mm-hmm. and she said, I don't want to see the show because who directed it? And yeah. I said, 
that should not be the reason you shouldn't see the show. It said, you are my friend. Yeah. I am in the show. Yeah. I am the reason you should see the show. Exactly. And she did. And she later on was like, you were right. And it's a, and it's a fucking great show. Dogsy's yeah. God is a great show. They, uh, they, I don't know if they're doing a lot of scene work from it now, but they used to always, yeah. always do scene work from that for showcases and everything. Yeah. So did you see that one? I just want to see what Stefan has seen me I mean, when I was at Pace, I tried to see everything. everything. And, you know, you're in college. It was, you know, it's, it's not even that it's hard. It's like, you know you have to see it all. Because, of course, the following day in classes and active classes, you're going to have to talk about it. Yeah. You know, so I saw everything. I tried to support everyone. Mm-hmm. I think what I got from Pace University, I got a culture and a plethora of of work and artists that I look up to, I respect, I admire. I, to this day, still would like to collaborate with many of them. Mm-hmm. How like Stefan and I are doing a reboot of Shallow Hell. Yeah. Yeah. Sh- yeah. Shallow Hell from... You just gotta be, yeah. You just got to be like Shallow Hell. Shallow Bob. We'll, we'll think Shallow Bob. Yeah, we got to work on that. Yeah, but uh, I'd be down. I feel like it'd be like Shallow, like Chad. No, shallow that's, Chad. Nah, yeah. nah, nah. We'll think nah. of it. Shallow yeah, nah. Jonathan. <laughs> Um, getting back to it, um, I think that my experience being at Pace taught me about culture and community, without a doubt. A community divided, however, but still a community. When I left Pace University, though, I was hitting a wall. Mm -hmm. I was hungry to work like most actors coming out of school, but the trouble is I had no direction. I didn't know what I was looking for. I knew I wanted to do good work, but I didn't know what good work was sometimes. Mm-hmm. And it also, I think, came from my senior year because we worked with uh, we worked with the. Am I allowed? And I don't want to name drop. Uh, we worked with a. You can, whatever. You want uh, to I just don't want to name drop. Too. Uh, you know, I'm I'm just gonna watch my mouth with this. We worked with a former head, a former executive casting director of ABC. Mm-hmm. They bought him into the program to direct our showcase. He was, within the first day, he was flustered. And he was flustered because he just kept saying, what are y'all teaching these kids? Like, they don't know how to pick scenes. They don't know what type is. They don't know what this, this is. What have y'all been doing for the last four years in school? And when he said that, it discouraged a lot of us. Like it got to the point, Allison. It was so bad that the day of our showcase, he literally said, "I'm not putting my name on this." He literally. So we had our programs. We had our, you know, Pace University 2011 graduate showcase. Um, no director's name on the bottom, and that made me super sad. But it also, as time went on, I was like, he was right. In a in most. In any program that for any actor who's kind of go out here and do this, not only should you be learning about the work, the playwrights, the history, you need to figure out what it is that you want, who are you are, why did you fall in love with acting, why did you fall in love with storytelling, theater, what is it, what is your community, what is sexuality, what all of these different things, like you have to figure out how to take all that and you have to take your social and political goals and aspects and you have to put that and channel it into the art. Is that why you decided to go get an MFA? Part of it. Mm-hmm. Part of the reason I went to get an MFA is because I felt like I wanted to become I wanted to become a master of my craft. I wanted so, to be good. Let's talk about 
your MFA experience. Mm-hmm. So you did a year at Actor Studio, correct? Yes, I did a year at the Actor Studio. So let's talk about your audition for that for mm-hmm. those out there who want to audition for an MFA program. Yes, ma'am. So tell us about that. What made you decide on auditioning for Actor Studio? Uh, at the time when I was auditioning for the Actor Studio, I had uh, I was getting into some issues with my mother. Um, I, I was I had applied for. I wasn't getting, I wasn't hearing back anything from agents, managers, doing that submitting thing like we all do. And I got to a point when I was like, I was getting scared. I was afraid to go out into the real world and mm-hmm. try to go professional. So I would said, you know, maybe I should get some training and whatnot. So I think the first time I did grad school, it was out of fear. And I applied to the actor studio. I got with this uh, actress. Her name was uh, Christina Carrion. Uh, she was a senior uh very beautiful very strong actor we did a scene from closer which i actually see is on your wall yeah um we did the argument scene between i believe it was larry and his wife yeah they actually did closer my senior year of college at pace yeah but they did it kind of and the person who directed it gender bended the roles yeah i actually i think i got a call back for it I wasn't very good in the call. I, w- I came off really bitchy, but it was fine. Our character, well, no, I can't even say her character's bitchy, but I... No, no, that's how I came off in the audition. And okay. It wasn't like oh, well. how the character was. It's just oh. like what came out of me, which is fine. You were also in your senior year at that point, too, and you were but personally also, going like, through some I, stuff, too. Well, no, it was because of all I wanted to do my senior year was direct a fucking show. Yeah. That's all I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And there was so much drama yeah. behind me just wanting to direct a fucking show. And there's a lot of politics often was, when it comes to trying was, to direct anything. And there was a huge divide in the... I, I can't I, I can't even talk about my senior year with, without getting like angry and aggravated because 10 years later, it still fucking pisses me off. Because I was supposed to do The Shape of Things in rep. Uh-huh. And because I didn't harass the head of the department over the summer, mm-hmm. I lost the opportunity to direct the show after I was approved to direct it. That's just a trip. And then they decided to do a black box theater. So I had to, what is, I had to put in another proposal mm-hmm. to direct a show after mm-hmm. I've already gotten approval to direct, but mm-hmm. then it was taken away from me. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people thought I was angry over that because I wasn't, I didn't get the black box theater like opening to direct other people did and a lot of people didn't know the whole backstory behind it so they also thought i was acting like a crazy bitch because they're like oh but you you were you were very you were passionate you were passionate first of all about wanting to create and direct something but you were also dealing with the bs and the politics of what it meant to direct something well no it was just people didn't know the backstory behind why i was so upset that i wasn't i had the opportunity to even my dad was like I will get you a lawyer and you can, I was like, it's not wow, that, that big of a thing. I was about to say, that's a little extreme though. Yeah. But no, yeah. it was like, it was really, it really pissed me off and it set me and a lot of my friends because mm-hmm. I was given the opportunity to direct, mm-hmm. to direct a Neil Butte show that I've wanted to direct for years. Uh-huh. It was the shape of things. And that Still, was at the time when Neil Butte was, Neil well, Butte was, was pretty popular well, by that point. Well, that was also when Reasons to be Pretty was coming to Broadway. Yep. So I'll get into that in a moment. Mm-hmm. Um, Everybody knew I wanted to, I wanted to direct since my freshman year, uh, my senior year of high school. Mm-hmm. And so I got the approval to direct it, you know, in the spring semester for the fall. Mm-hmm. And then because over the summer, like I said, and this is because of what this person told me, I wasn't like, 
reaching out to them over the summer about it Mm -hmm. because I thought they were going to reach out to me. How was I to know I had to reach out to them? I lost the opportunity to direct because they got a black box theater and they made a committee Mm -hmm. for this black box theater. So I had to re-put in a proposal and I didn't get it. And the committee was pretty much stacked with... Stacked with people who pretty much did their own stuff and their friends. Yeah. But luckily for me, I knew that there was another avenue and a person who would allow me to direct. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went that route and I was still able to direct a show. I unfortunately couldn't get the rights to The Shape of Things. Yes. Because Reasons to Be Pretty was coming to Broadway. Mm-hmm. But I did get to direct How I Learned to Drive. Which is also coming to Broadway. Yes, which we've discussed on this podcast and I'm flipping out. <laughs> um, but I did have other means to direct a show and I think that... And I don't mean to sound narcissistic, but I think it was actually a really good production for like a student directed college production. Mm-hmm. And people who did see the show enjoyed talked it. about it. Like I, I heard people even talking about it. Made the head of the department come to the show as a kind of like fuck you mm-hmm. because I got the directing thing taken away from me mm-hmm. and he told me how much he loved it. And he even did it was this, it was that, and I was like, suck a motherfucker and then one of the people who was in the divided actors senior class who mm-hmm. I was friendly with, super nice guy, mm-hmm. but he was friends with the people I am not big fans of and they didn't like me. Mm-hmm. I literally said to him, tell your friends mm. as a fuck you. Mm. Um, but I'm happy with, anyway, enough about me and my anger of senior year of college. So you got into actor studio and then you ended up going to Vegas to complete your MFA. Yes. So I was in the studio for about a year. Um, things just didn't work out. Uh, it's, Which happens a lot. It happens a lot. And it's a, and trust me, when you're a 24-year-old kid and you're transitioning from undergrad to grad school, the level of work, the workload increases times 10. Mm-hmm. So it's mentally, physically exhausting. And they even said in the interview, do you feel as though you can make this commitment to this institution? And at the time I said, yes. But as time went on, I started discovering, wow, I'm physically exhausted. Also, I was trying to be a good student. Mm-hmm. And in grad school, I'm sorry, fuck being a good student. It's not about being a good student. Being in grad school is about exploration of yourself. It's about exploration of the work. And it's about figuring out what it is that you're interested in. Yes, you can be a good student, but at the end of the day, these people will become your colleagues. So you need to learn. You need to work less on trying to give them all the respect and love and adoration and blow smoke up their ass. And you need to just be real and talk to them about some things. You need to. So I didn't do that at the time in the studio. So I left the studio. I took a year off. I worked. I was trying to figure out my life. The. I sat with a friend one day. He was actually going to Playmakers Theater and you uh, at UNC Chapel Hill, North mm-hmm. Carolina, and we just sat. And he said, "So, Stefan, let me ask you this: Do you think you'd like to go back to grad school?" I was like, "You know what? Yes, I need. I've had a year out. I've thought about it. I've done some good theater, mm-hmm. but I'm not where I want to be as an artist. And I know the artists like yourself. I'm like inspired by you. And I was like, I want to be just as great as you. And he's like, Okay." apply again. So I applied to various institutions and I did IRTA. IRTA is actually a lot different than the University Residential Theater Association. They're much different now. Back then you used to have to go in, do two monologues. um, You'd have to get screened. Mm -hmm. 
And if you got past the screening process, then you would go before the schools and audition for them, and then that would be determined callbacks or something. Did you ever audition for Juilliard? No. Or apply? I know. I I wanted to, and you know I, I still have a dream that I'm going to apply for it one day. Yeah, but... I, it's Juilliard is, and you know as I've gotten older, look man, I've encountered, I've worked with Yale MFAs, I've worked, I've worked with Yale MFAs, I've worked with Juilliard MFAs and BFAs, I've worked with NYU folks. The truth of the matter is, they're just institutions that were taught by often the same professors. Mm-hmm. And yes, these names are great. They get you out there. There's a network within them. But at the end of the day, every institution has two artists that they will pour all their resources and time and energy into. Like Mm -hmm. we're going to like him and her or her and her or him and him. These are our faces. Mm -hmm. These are the people that are going to probably work. So we're going to take our energy and we're going to give them some, we're going to throw them some bones. We're going to get, set them up with some things, some meetings. We're going to help them out. The other artists in the program, you know, they get jealous. They get angry. Some of them get to the point where they're just like, but what about us? We're, we're hardworking too. So we got to fend for ourselves. Mm-hmm. That happened. I'm talking in a tangent right now, but I got to get back to oh, it. You just heard me rant about yeah. my senior year of college. But, fine. but I think that that's what it is about um, institutions like a Juilliard, a Yale, an NYU, anything. It's like the training is great. Mm-hmm. The And I've met many of the students. They're beautiful. They're beautiful people. Um, at the end of the day, they're going to come out of the program. They're going to have opportunities, but they're still going to have to audition and work and put in the time and put in the 10,000 hours to become a master of their craft. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I went to UNLV in Las Vegas, I... You were there for three years, right? I was there for three years. Um, it was myself and 12 other people. Mm-hmm. Um, myself, uh, a young man, uh, Christian Wilson, and Jasmine Matthews, we were the only three people of color. Um, some things happened. Uh, Christian was no longer in the program, but he went on to U of I in Illinois and he got his MFA and is doing fantastic work right now. Um, being at UNLV and being in Vegas, the hardest part was that I was the only, I became the only black man in the program. Vegas is not exactly, there is culture in Las Vegas, there ain't a lot of my culture and if it is it's on another side of town Mm -hmm. so I felt as though I had to work twice as hard because I just left one MFA program and I was like I don't want to leave another MFA program Mm -hmm. I was just working so hard to try to be a good student and then eventually my professors had to say to me hey Stefan do you want to be here and I was like yes I do and it's like great because we want you here so whatever you feel like you are doing right now to impress us just stop do the work um, and just be yourself. The only problem about being yourself is that you, you felt as I felt as though I needed permission. And I think as I've gotten older and I've been out of grad school, I graduated 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, for any artist out here, I don't care black, Spanish, woman, gay, queer, I don't care whatever you identify with. You be yourself. Do you think that... Like, don't ask for permission, mm-hmm. 
Don't ask for permission from anybody in this industry to express yourself or to be yourself in the work that you create, because I'm sorry, you're going to be waiting a long time for that. Do you think that's why you also like acting because it gives you permission not to be yourself? Yes. It gives me permission. It gives me permission to actually go deeper to do the things and to say the things and to behave in the way that society doesn't let me. And during this MFA program, do you think that you were putting on like a different facade of yourself just to impress people where you couldn't really be yourself? Sometimes. Sometimes? I do you still feel that. that way? I, in the last year, actually. Hopefully not during this podcast. Hopefully not during. I have been trying to be a little polite, but as you can tell, after the live streaming stopped, I started dropping F-bombs and cursing more. Stephon, you can say fuck, but it doesn't matter. It's me. Yeah, no, We've I know. We've known each other forever. It's true, it's true. Shit, shit, shit. No, no, no I'm, I'm but It's from Varsity Blues where they go, penis, 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 vagina, vagina, vagina. <laughs> I will say, I do remember in college, Stefan. I don't know if you're still the same way. What? But somebody was like, <coughs> excuse me, asking Stefan if he wanted coffee. No, you should never say that. Yeah. No. Um, somebody wanted, if he wanted coffee, he's like, that's the devil's brew. It is. Like, all right, I'm going to be real about this. My uh, friend of mine's from California. Uh, he was in town, and I just wanted to link up with him to just like chat a little bit. And he ordered two lattes. I didn't tell him at the time I didn't drink coffee. You still don't drink coffee? No, I'm, I'm a tea person. I just love the smell of coffee. I don't drink coffee. I'm just yeah, naturally like hyper. Yeah, I'm about to say, a, a nice French vanilla press or something like that. Like, I oh, fancy. I like I like that. I like the smell of it. But to me, I'm, I'm a naturally energetic person. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't need coffee as a stimulant for me. Like, life is my stimulant. Yeah. You know? Um, we, what were we talking about in regards to... Um, what were we talking about in regards? We just like know, went, on a, tan- we went on a tangent. We went on a tangent. We went on a tangent of coffee. On tangents. Anyway, so let's just get back to it. So yeah. you were talking about diversity and wanting and needing to be yourself and all yeah. that. But, you know, we're already over an hour. So let's try and break it down because okay. we have a lot more to do. I know. Um, so with your MFA program, mm-hmm. you were also able to teach, correct? Correct. I, now, lecture, I-, I lectured uh, theater appreciation and I taught various uh acting classes and even sometimes movement did you teach us in vegas yes i did and i know you still teach because you sometimes put stefan puts a lot on facebook too much i need to stop yes yeah i'm not saying that in a bad way no 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 you say it in a bad way something um but i feel like your students don't respect you (laughs) well you know what it is it's that i'm just a very nice person what age are they uh, right now I'm dealing with third graders. Oh, well. So, um, but I mean, still, even, you know, the faculty has said it, like those of you guys who were in lower second grade, first grade kindergarten, you were not like this. Uh, you were not like this back then. Now you're in third grade. Now you want to do be disrespectful to this young, this man who's probably one of the best teachers in the school right now. Mm-hmm. Um, where are you teaching? Uh, I teach at the Promise to Academy at the Harlem Children's Zone. How did you get into that? Uh, through a friend of mine's. His name is uh, Devin Tillman. He and I met each other at the Actor Studio. Uh, we stayed in touch over the years. Mm-hmm. He's phenomenal, mm-hmm. phenomenal actor. But uh, he's always been passionate about education. So actually, when he was getting his MFA in acting, mm-hmm. he was also getting a second master's degree in education at another institution. So he had told me that 
he had started working at the school doing theater and teaching theater to kids and stuff. And I said, you know, I've, I've been teaching theater to kids here and there for a while. I could try that for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, fortunately, I was able to land the job, and it definitely paid well because the master's degree helped a lot. Yeah. So I think if you can't really teach unless you have a master's degree in some sort of form. I mean, In some form. So, I mean, I have a BFA. I can't really like, hey, let me teach some kids. I think they look more if you have a B, uh, an MFA. Yeah, but yeah. in this day and age, because you have a bachelor's degree, that means that you have some form of higher education. So yeah. you can do, like, you could do TAing or something like that. And if you're actually excelling... Take note, kids. Yeah. Important life lessons of what you can do while pursuing theater. And we were going to talk about this anyway, but for those who are pursuing theater and want to continue, just know that the work doesn't always come when you want it to come. It just comes when the universe and the stars align itself. So you have to find ways to work and provide for yourselves. Catering is fun. You know, it's easy. No, it's, it's about as easy as you can make it. Yeah. Um, I think that's really any job. Yeah, any job. Like, you're the one who puts the energy into it. But there, the great thing about our field, Allison, is like, there's, our field is rooted in connections. Yes. You don't, in this world, you don't move anywhere unless you know somebody or have cultivated some form of a relationship with yes. that person or these people to get somewhere. So for actors, you know, as you hustle to continue to pers- to make it in this industry, I I hope to work with all of you. I want to work with all of you. I want to explore and play. You know, don't be ashamed to work that temp agency. Mm-hmm. Do not be ashamed to step outside of your comfort zone and try things that are different. For example, I went in for a position for a marketing company and honestly, was almost got the job. And I was actually kind of excited about it because it was it was a different world. It was a it was fun. It was exciting. And all these skills that I had acquired from Pace University, Mm -hmm. from the relationships that I've been building over the years, from my master's degree. I know how to talk to people. Mm -hmm. I know how to work with people. I know how to bring out the best in people, which Mm -hmm. is another reason what I love about theater. It's infectious Mm -hmm. what I can do. Yeah. So. Why not take all the things that I'm good at mm-hmm. and channel that into other things and ways and sources of income? Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. Acting's going to always be here. Yeah. Theater is going to always be here. Film, it's not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. And you can still do it. Yeah. You know, but make sure you get your money right. Because in this industry, if you don't have money to pursue your passions, it's, uh, it's going to get harder. But if you actually have a decent income, you know, it's okay if you took that day or two off and, you know, called in sick. You know, hey, I had I had this audition. My boss wouldn't let me go, so I had to fake sick just to do it. But I could afford to lose that one day of pay because I actually had something in savings already, you know? Yeah. But some kids out here, which is secretly what I used to get jealous about with the Pace University Musical Theater Department. I got jealous of many of those students because I knew that. Some of their parents, when I would speak, when I met some of them and I met some of their parents, I could just tell, it's like, oh, they came from money. Mm-hmm. So when they're, so these kids who are moving out uh, their sophomore, junior year and moving into apartments and they're auditioning and pursuing all this stuff, it's like their parents are able to help them. They're not really even working. They're babysitting. Yeah. 
mm-hmm. um, which is a, which is some money here and there, but it's not great. It's not always the best money. Yeah. Um, but I used to get super jealous of people who came from wealthy, successful families because it's like, man, they can afford to do it all. I have to work. I have to work five jobs just to be able to do that off, 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 off Broadway show for $2. Well, you know, you also do it because you love it. And yes, and that's the point that I was going to make, too. Yeah, and I think it's also important, and, I, and I've and i said this before on the podcast, that, like, if you want to do this, you have to find ways to be financially... Um, Independent? Thank you. Or mm-hmm. just, you know, for yourself for you. to still be able to pursue them. That's kind of what you're covering. Yeah. You know, whether it be taking a babysitting job, whether it being a temp job for a little bit, you yeah. know, and like you said. Restaurants and exactly. bartending. It's not going anywhere. It's not. And that's another thing for artists who want to move to like, oh, I want to move to L.A. I want to move to New York or mm-hmm. I want to do this. I want to do this. It's like, first of all, L.A. and New York, it's true. They're great markets. If you're an artist, I mean, come on. This is where mm-hmm. these are where the stars are born. Yeah. But don't forget, like, if especially if you're trying to build a community and a network for yourself, Chicago is amazing. Chicago, Atlanta, there's Atlanta, D.C., mm-hmm. uh, Maryland, Virginia, uh, uh, Phil- uh, Pennsylvania itself. Like, there is a huge pocket. There are huge pockets and communities that are itching and thriving mm-hmm. for you to come into their community and to work and build something with them. Yeah. And trust me, once you build that community with them, you can move on to a place like New York. And then just remember if New York if New York's not hiring you at that point, you still have the relationship with the people in Pennsylvania or wherever and they're just gonna be like, Hey, do you think you might want to come back and do this play or you think you want to come back and shoot this project? Yeah, no problem. And you already got places. You're a local hire. Now do you have like other means for yourself to just like create your own work because i know you said you were doing some sort of reading last night yeah i was uh i did a reading at the uh the drama league mm-hmm. um it's a program it's an after school program that they started for high school students who are interested in pursuing in directing and things of that nature and it's a it's the program's called new visions new voices and it was founded by a friend of mine's Nyland Johnson, who is the associate artistic director of the Drama League. And we did an Iliad, mm-hmm. which is an incredibly difficult piece of theater um, written by Dennis O'Hara and his partner. Mm. And um, it's a, really it's a 90 minute one man show about the Trojan War. Um, that sounds really interesting. It is. They um, should teach that in English class in high school. Exactly. There's a lot of things they should be doing differently in these schools. That's another podcast, definitely, to talk about. Stefan, we'll, we'll be on again. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm definitely coming back on this one. Yeah. Um, well, the children, they, they cut and crafted a beautiful piece uh, scenes from uh, an Iliad. Mm-hmm. And we also worked on Trojan Women. And Which I did in college. That was my one of two main stage productions. Mm, where and, I got cast because I was a female. But also, you got cast because you also have big emotions. No, I was cast because I was a female. <laughs> let's let's be real, Stephanie. <laughs> yes, all right, yes. But Page University, they had quite a few women. Well, Lots of women. It was Trojan women, and the entire chorus was women. So they pretty much cast almost every woman. But they also had to have a strong female ensemble to make it work. A lot of the 
people weren't that strong in that ensemble. Damn, son. I said it. It's Damn, fine. son. I sliced my chin open also during, because I had a, they did a, an opening when people were coming into the audience of these women getting abused, mm-hmm. and I was the first abused scene, and mm-hmm. my face went into someone's costume, and I sliced my chin open. Mm. So I bled all over the stage, and I still have a little scarf from it. I am sorry to hear that. So that you're trying to, it's, it's yeah, I'm about, I'm trying to find it's it, covered yeah. in makeup, so it's fine. It's about, faded. Excuse me. If nice. you were, if you See, were, Stefan, you can even burp on the podcast. No judgments. <laughs> if you were in equity, trust and believe me, there would be some issues with that. Oh, the assistant director was like flipping out because I was backstage, like hysterically crying. Yeah. And I told her, I'm like, I'm not crying because I sliced my chin open. I'm crying because I'm tired and I have a headache. Mm. I just didn't feel well. Mm. That's why I was crying. Well, it's also Greek theater too. Yeah. I'm sorry. I that... mean, the look was really good. Yeah. What I look like, but yeah. So then they had to like readjust the scene a little bit. Oh, but getting back, but all right, but getting back to it, as far as like working with people and creating content and doing things like that, mm-hmm. I, I work with the drama league and help and mentor these. But is amazing there anything act- that like you do on your own that you're like, I am Stefan and I want to do this. So I'm going to create this. Um, or is there anything that you I like, s- make happen for yourself? Um, well, this, for example, mm-hmm. this is an opportunity that I you reached out to me, but also we have a relationship with each mm-hmm. other. I reach out to many, I reach out to many artists um, whom I've always wanted to work with, and I just say, hey, um, first of all, I'm Stefan. I saw your work, or I I know of you through such and such and such and such. I just want to let you know I'm I love you. I love what you do. I love how you're I love how you're changing. Mm-hmm. And making a statement with your work, and if as you continue to work, I would love to collaborate or do something with you if possible, yeah. or I might pitch an idea of something. Uh, one of my good friends, Alex Levitt, uh, shout out to Alex Levitt, talented, what? talented Pace alum. Pace alum. Uh, I I try to keep in contact with a lot of the Pace alums. Um, Alex Levitt and I we're in the process of actually developing a podcast mm-hmm. uh, where we. Nobody, nobody steals this idea to it. We're, we pin this already. Um, the idea of the podcast is we bring artists and friends of ours in the industry currently working, could be Broadway, acting, music, directing, period. And Alex and I, we pitch, we take 10, 15, maybe even 30 minutes to develop something. And then we take 10 minutes to pitch it to the person, the person and they provide us with feedback constructive instructive and even they try to throw something at us mm-hmm. and we provide them like with free opportunities shallow that's the title of the movie shallow chad well we'll think about it yeah I, shallow Hal. shallow john shallow john or just shallow well then you just think of the song shallow at least i do Doggone it, that is right. I know. Shallow Bradley. There we go. You took the two and you put it together. If you put Bradley Cooper in a movie called Shallow and I play his comedic sidekick. This is getting into <clears throat> you could save that for your podcast. Okay, okay, okay. See, see, yeah. Yeah, see this is this is what happens, but yeah. But that was uh that's something that my friend and I are constantly about. We're also Alex and I are just we're two people when we have ideas, we just keep throwing them at each other. I actually I'm really actually in the process of writing this thing now. I want to make a musical film set entirely to Niles Barkley's music. To 
interesting. Well, just so you know, I am always available mm-hmm. to perform, act. I can sing. I would love, I would love to put you in this one, and I want to make Please this do. very independent. I too. always tell that to even in college. Like I, I always feel like I'm available, and nobody ever thinks of me for anything. I know. So I mean, granted, I was precast and Doxy's gone in college, but you know, here we are. So Stefan, yes, let's move on with life. Yes, what have been some of your favorite roles that you've played in your career? Favorite roles? Either in college, high school, whatever. Uh-huh. Like, let's not take mm. 20 years to figure this out. One, sure. of my fa- one of my favorite roles that I played was uh, I played the director in a piece called... Uh, oh, goodness gracious. I played the director in a piece called... Uh, Oh my goodness, I can't believe I'm blanking. I know this play. That's the name of the that's, show. That's the name oh of the show. Oh my God, what is the name of that? What is the name of the show? What is He's the name of the show? He's going to think about it once we're done with this podcast. Yeah, it's going to hit me like a I wrecking will say, ball. I I did see a production of Streetcar Named Desire in college. Oh God. Where you played Stanley. Yeah. And you were very good. Although oh, thank I will you. say it was the longest production of Streetcar. Yes, it was. And I was contemplating on whether or not to fake sick to leave it. But well, I stayed. It was, uh, that was directed by Stephen Carl McCaslin, and he wanted to get a predominantly uh, cast of color to do a streetcar. Which he did. Which he did. And then a couple years later, they did it. They did it on Broadway. They stole your ideas. Yeah, they they did. And they didn't even at least let me understudy in it. Damn it. Gosh. I I actually did march at that production, so I saw it many times. Yeah. It was. It wasn't my favorite production. I, I love Nicole Airy Parker, though. Like, she's was, amazing. I actually saw a great production. I don't do Brooklyn because I'm claustrophobic. I oh, so you didn't. Ways. So, I was about to say, but, did you go see Ben Foster? Oh, I saw Ben Foster. <sighs> and that was a fucking great. That was with Vanessa Kirby before The Crown even came out, where she played <sighs> Stella. Oh, yes. And they had Gillian Anderson as Blanche. And, and I love me some Gillian but Anderson. Did you see that production? I, I wanted to. I might, I might try to go down to. Uh, I may try to go to Lincoln Center to study it. Actually, I know they I'm did National Theater it. Live of it, mm-hmm. but because um, they went over to they went over to England and did it. Well, too, it was they? in England, and then they brought then, it to Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say that I was reading that like Ben Foster was trying to make Stanley very ape-like. Yes, and he did like even with his movements and everything. Mm-hmm. It's just a really stellar production, and I also love Ben Foster. Oh yeah, he's he's. The first time I really saw Ben Foster, like saw him in that light of sight, like, yo, this dude is the. It was that movie. Is that movie with Ben? It was that movie with uh, him and uh, Bruce Willis, uh, hostages or something yeah. like that. He was like scene he's, stealing the I hell feel like out of that movie. Everybody knows he's a great actor, but I feel like he's very underrated. He's very underrated, but also what I love about Ben Foster, he's very low key. Yeah. Like, which is also what I respect. He's the he's the epitome of an artist. Like, yeah. I don't have to show you. I don't have to let you know about my life. I don't have to let you know about my kids. I don't have to let you know anything. When you see me, it's the work. Yeah. And it's the respect of the work and it's the craft. And then after that, I go and I move on. That's the arts I love. They do this thing called Letters Live. And uh, somebody I used to work with couldn't go, so I went. And um, Benedict Cumberbatch always does it. And so mm. it's different celebrities reading these letters from different people to different celebrities or people to celebrities or celebrities to people. Uh-huh. And Ben Foster actually did one of like somebody, like one of the writers from Rolling Stone. And really? It's just like freaking awesome. I got to see that. Is it, on, is it on YouTube? 
I mean, maybe you can find it on YouTube. I think you can find it on YouTube. It's just all these different people doing. It's just I it's wa- really interesting. I always, I always love watching the mean tweets, uh, the celebrities oh, yeah. reading the mean tweets. It, it, those are the funniest things so ever. Because yeah. there's also just like the responses that the celebrities give back sometimes. Yeah. Just like, like Chris Pratt is one of my favorite persons to hear respond to. It's like, Chris Pratt, you're a dumb fuck. And he's just like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> You know what's funny? I think I saw a video like years ago where like they tried to do that at my high school that I really? went to. Yeah, with like different <laughs> teachers. So what have been some of your favorite theater going experiences? Favorite theater going experiences. So as far as roles, yes, Streetcar I'll go back real quick. Mm-hmm. Streetcar Named Desire is definitely one of my favorite roles. I played a character in grad school, um, um, my Children, My Africa, Athel Fugard. I played Mr. M, one of my favorites, and uh as far as theater going experiences, I recently went to go see Betrayal and I loved it. I think the play that really affected me, though, uh, my best theater experience had to have been Passing Strange. Mm. Uh, Stu and Heidi Rowland wrote I that one. I never saw it and I regret that I haven't seen it. it because you I can hear... watch it. You can. It's a movie as well. It's can... rumored, or it was rumored, that it was coming back to Broadway. I do remember seeing... Stu open up for John Mayer and the Counting Crows. Yeah, he's cool um, with when them. When I was in like high school or like just graduated high school, mm-hmm. um, but passing straight, I I do regret not seeing it because I've heard nothing it, but incredible things. It was it. it was just a beautiful, and yeah. I think at that time too, this is again the power of theater. Theater. I think that was the year of Spring Awakening. Or no, I think it was after Spring Awakening. After Spring Awakening. It was just after there. Spring Awakening. Yeah. Um. It, it was, this is the power of theater as well, because I, at that time, I think I was, that was my f- first summer in New York or second summer. And I was very low. I was just, uh, I was not feeling great. And I went to go see the show and it just revived my spirit. It, yeah. it told me a story and I connected with it. And it was, and a lot of the, and that night, it was the second to last night before they closed. So, you know, they went hard yeah. and performed. So that was the, one of the best theater experiences. Uh, Death of a Salesman. The one with Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yes, uh, rest in peace, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Um, you are you are missed dearly. You know, it's interesting. My friend who was on last week said the same exact thing. You can, I mean, with Allison, that production. Yeah, it, it, there's well. First of all, Mike Nichols also rest in mm-hmm. peace. See what I'm saying? Like we've lost so oh, no, many greats. It. Just yeah, it's Mike Nichols being the genius director. He just he went back and looked at a lot of Arthur Miller's old notes and just the, the, uh, the idea and the, the set design and what he thought about. And he just said, Hey, let me take a lot of what he was doing from the past. Let me put it on stage and really throw what people mess with people with that. Now there is a rumor that death of a salesman is coming back. Yeah. I think it's Rupert with, Everett and, uh, yeah, no, that's Virginia Woolf. That's coming back with Rupert who's afraid Everett of who? Laura Laurie. Oh my God, Laurie. Laurie Metcalf. Metcalf. Hmm, but I it's rumored she... that not this season. Yeah. I think like next in like a year or two mm-hmm. with Nathan Lane and Laurie Metcalf. I like that. I feel like there's a butt coming. The butt that I have is just why is it always them? I look. Well, I know this financially. I get it. They can sell tickets, but my deal is it's like this, and this is often what I. This is my frustration with the industry. Mm-hmm. There are so many. Mm-hmm. Like, first of all, Death of a Salesman will sell itself. Well, you know, it's a classic. Too, in London, they do have a, a 
cast of color. Mm-hmm. Yeah, doing, well, Wendell Pierce. And he's doing it right now. feel as though that production... That production should, should be the one Broadway. that's transitioning to Broadway because I think it'd be yeah, great. Honestly, I think that'll definitely be a different perspective because it is a cast of color Yeah. with a show like that. Yeah. And Willie Loman and, you know, you can bring the diversity factor and all that into it. So I think that'd be a little bit more interesting than mm-hmm. having Nathan Lane play Nathan Lane well, and the diver- Well, and the diversity factor is that you have... The diversity factor is that you have an American writer, mm-hmm. uh, a British director adapting an American's work to a British audience, then with getting an American to play this role in England and then getting it all to transla- transition back into the States. Like, that is the diversity within well, itself. they just did a production of All My Sons on Broadway... And with Annette Benning and all that, but they also did that production in London. Exactly. With Sally Field. So, I mean, yeah. there you go. I just think that we, there, Allison, there's just so much talent. Yeah. There, there's so many different mediums. There's so many trained and untrained actors. Mm-hmm. They can do it all. They can be it all. They just need an opportunity. Yeah. And some of them fight and work very hard just to get in that room for a minute for casting director to not even look at them or even know their name. I remember I went to one audition. It was literally, I was up at five in the morning. I was standing outside in the dead cold until seven when the building opened just to be first in line for this, uh, for a regional theater show. And the casting director could not remember my name and I had to say it to them three times. I get it, it's early in the morning, you're tired. I had to get up and do this too. I had to. I have to do this monologue that I somewhat just memorized for you. So give me some time. Mm-hmm. Look at me. Yeah. You know. So I think that's where my frustration is coming with you the industry. It's like, look you, at us. Do you shake people's hands who are behind the desk? No. Okay. Not often. If okay. I if I know them, like if I like the classical theater of Harlem, I've had auditions. I know the artistic director and the associate artistic director. So when I auditioned for them that one day. I just, Carl, it's good to see you. And, you know, Carl and I, we had just finished. Shouts out to Carl Cofield, Classical Theater of Harlem, Ty Jones as well. Sorry. Um, yeah, if I know them, I'll shake their hand. But for the most part, it's just thank you. No, because I remember when you auditioned for How I Learned to Drive, you shook my hand. And technically, that's kind of a no-no in this game. Yeah. Yeah, that's... Uh, so that's why I was like, again, why the young, is he shaking my hand? Again, I was the young actor still trying it's to okay. figure it we out. we were in college. We were, we were. So do you have any more theater-going experiences? More theater-going... Ex- before we get sidetracked? More theater-going experiences. My last one was Seawall. Hmm. Like, I Not mean, just a life? Huh? Seawall life? Seawall Life. Because yeah. Seawall was uh, Tom Sturgis, and then A Life was Jake Gyllenhaal. And the funny thing is, I liked both plays, but I preferred Gyllenhaal. And it's not just because of how great Jake Gyllenhaal was. It was that, like I said, I tracked the story better. Yeah. Also, Tom Sturgis, I always felt like he was warming up to it. Yeah. Like he was, stylistically, he was kind of like mellow, and he was building, and he was building, and he was mm-hmm. building, and then he built, and he built, and it was cool. Yeah. But Jake, he just... Came out guns a blazing, yeah. and you and also great use of the space. Yeah, for sure. The Very great use of it. Yeah, into the audience, uh, playing the song at the end. Yeah. Um, the projection was definitely just. Yeah. You know, so yeah, Seawall. Those those are probably my top three theater experiences right now that just like come to my mind often. Do you have any dream roles? Oh, dream roles. 
Bobby. And company. I'm Are you looking forward to the new revival. Yes, actually, because I it's, I feel like England stole that idea from me because I actually was thinking about doing that myself. Like I actually thought about like directing a production of company with a female Bobby. Mm-hmm. I think it's gonna be great. You I know, I heard good, yeah, I heard good reviews. I heard the great reviews and. Yeah. I'm I I am very curious to see how Katrina Link plays that part though. What do you? Are you just waiting to be surprised, or do you have ideas of how you think she's going to go I for it? I mean, the things that I've seen her in, I feel like she's just... I mean, Katrina Link is just sexy anyway. She's beautiful. She's stunning, super talented. I look at her and I say, I'm a gremlin. I'm not, guys. <laughs> um, but I'm just curious to see, because I, it's also the costuming. I'm just curious to see how she plays it. I don't know if she's going to go like, I'm sexy, or like, I, I don't well, know. Well, Robert is Bobby... Because let's just go with that. Let's say Bobby, Bobby does exude sex to me. Yeah. Bobby, but Bobby's also very independent. Yeah. Bobby's the good looking person that could get anything and do anything, but doesn't want to do anything or wants to do every, wants to do whatever they want to do. Next podcast Stefan comes on to, we're going to analyze company. I would love to analyze company. You know what? Why don't we do this? Next time you come on the podcast, you have to see the new revival of company. I will. Done. I'm definitely Buy yourself a ticket and don't ask me how I bought mine because I just bought it. Yeah. Stefan, you just need to do it. Maybe they might also have student rush. That's another good thing or just rush tickets. Just rush. I, I, Bought a ticket because I said, like, this show, you have Madame Lapone in it. Yeah. It's going it, to be a hot ticket. It, it is. And I'm, I actually just watched Steve, uh, Sam Mendez's production of Company on YouTube the other night. Mm-hmm. Um, Adrian Lester. Um, again, Adrian didn't have the voice, mm-hmm. but his acting was brilliant. Yeah. And how they kind of staged it and set it up. I like the Raul Julia, not the Raul Julia, Raul, Raul Esparza. Esparza. That was actually my introduction to company. Wow. Was... How, how Did you, you went to see that live? Yes, I did. How was and that? It was great. And you know what's funny too is I tried to, I think I saw a different show that afternoon. I don't remember what I saw. And then I came up to, Mid- I think I saw like Great Expectations off Broadway. Mm-hmm. And then I came up to Midtown and I, I think I tried the lottery for Avenue Q and I didn't win. Hmm. And I was like, let me see if I can get company. Mm-hmm. And I did. And I was just like, this is incredible. And then I met these two guys there and we ended up standing in the alleyway of the theater where the cast exit. Yep. And nobody like told us to leave. So we met the entire cast wow. of the show. And we literally just like stood in this alleyway. Nobody told us to leave. Cut to like years later, I'm doing merch at that theater. I'm walking in and out of that alleyway all the time. <laughs> well, it's full circle. That, I know. That's what that's what's so cool about I this worked, industry. When I work at that theater, I worked Chaplin and I worked Arcadia there. So I got to know a lot of people during my Arcadia run because I was at that. Was that there. the year that Ethan Hawke did Arcadia? No, it was Billy Crudup. Oh, that was oh that that was Billy Crudup. I think that was his first Broadway show too. He was fresh out of grad school by that oh, point. Oh well, I thank you for thinking I'm so old. No, 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 no. He he did their production. He was originally Septimus. Okay. And then they did the revival, and he was a different character. And I mentioned this on my first podcast that because I would do merch, I would be there when they were doing these talkbacks, and he would always say, "Oh well, when I was Septimus." And I was just like, oh my god, we fucking get it. Billy, he played fucking sets of nah, the Billy, Billy Crudup is, that's... He's a great that's, actor. He's one, I mean, next to him, like, when I think about theater, like, men of the theater, of course, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Liev Schreiber always comes to mind yeah. when I think about, like, a guy that I aspire one to work... One of my best theater-going experiences, mm-hmm. and I'm sorry that I'm rehashing, like, everything I said in, like, Go previous for it. podcasts, Go for but it. Stefan doesn't know this, was seeing him in talk radio. 
I would. I've been trying to find. Don't remember. Lincoln Center doesn't even have that footage. I want to see that production so badly. I hardly remember anything about it, but I do remember sitting there and saying to myself, oh, so that's what acting is. Yeah. Watching Liam Schreiber. And then I I just would kill to watch that monologue, like him, because, you know, the, the, yeah, he has a nervous breakdown well, you know over what's the radio. interesting that in the movie version, written by Eric Bogosian, who stars in the movie as well, mm-hmm. he's shot dead at the end of the movie. Yes. Which, like, yeah. Was he shot dead in the play? No, it just ends with him, like, leaving the radio station. I love it. Yeah. And, that, and I... I had watched Lieb's production of uh, Glengarry Glenn Ross. I thought he played a great Richie Rama. Well, he won the Tony Award. He won the Tony for that one. Um, I actually met Lieb Schreiber once. He, he, first of all, he is as tall as you can imagine. Stefan meets a lot of these celebrities. He'll, like, stage door to meet them. Sometimes. So, I mean... I don't do we're that already, as much. I don't do that as much anymore, though. We're already running very long in this podcast. So <laughs> if, you're, if you are still listening an hour and thirty-eight minutes later into this podcast, congratulations! Yes, you deserve all of the awards and acclaim. Well, I'll get I'll get you a sprite, the two liter, though. Yeah. Well, that's don't ask. Um, <laughs> anyway, so let's move on. So now we're going to talk about review it. So I'm going to review some stuff. I saw The Nutcracker and Tootsie yesterday. But before I do, is there any like TV show or movie or, or theater piece that you saw within the last couple of days that you want to give your review on? Mm, I'm going to let you review first. Okay, so yesterday I'm, I saw my thoughts together. The Nutcracker and I saw Tootsie. I have wanted to see The Nutcracker since I worked at a dance studio as a part-time receptionist. And so I went to the Nutcracker at the New York City Ballet, wanted to do it for six years, and I didn't really know what to expect, and I very much enjoyed it. However, I was like, you know what? I saw it. I'm good. I don't need to see it again. Mm-hmm. Did I, you see Porgy and Bess yet? No. I saw it on Broadway. I would love okay. to see Porgy and Bess. Because uh, the, I, the opera. They did yeah, the opera. No, I, I heard. I'm well aware. Yeah. Um, I'm dying to see it, but I don't think I'm going to get a ticket because I'm poor. But um, I would love to see Porgy and Bess because Porgy and Bess is absolutely incredible. I saw mm. it on Broadway with Queen Audra and Norm Lewis. I did mm. March there. Mm. Like the score. I also love... Not to mention David Allen Greer, too, yeah. who really has a yeah. bomb voice. Yeah. And he's coming back to Broadway, too, in a soldier's Soul just play. Yeah, you, actually, I know... Are you a member of Roundabout? No. You need it. A... Okay, this is me yelling at Stefan now. <laughs> Stefan is always asking me about how do I get theater tickets. You need to sign up for Roundabout, MTC, Link Tick, because if you're in between a certain age bracket, you can get cheap tickets to shows. I know the Manhattan Theater Club is like 30 for 30 or something 30 like that. 30 under 35. 30 under 30. Okay. Um, Roundabout, I'm seeing Carolina Change, because I'm hip tick gold, mm-hmm. for $35 a ticket, front row mezzanine. Oh, yes. You need to sign up for these things. But I do. the thing is, I just also would like to put out there, I've seen a lot of shows in a lot of theaters. Rear Mezzanine of, uh, what is it called? Studio 54 fucking sucks. Rear Mezzanine of American Airlines Theater, where Soldier's Play is going to be, is totally fine. Really? Yeah. You need to sign up for these things. Okay. And that way you can stop asking me how I get tickets. I think I do that to everybody. Yeah. It drives me nuts. I know. I go, she really does. Just buy a ticket. I really do. Like, I bug her on social media about it all it's the like, time. like, yo, man, I wish I've seen, I could see this. And I'm just like, go You can't see, see. <laughs> Like, yo, how'd you get tickets to the show? I bought them. 
Anyway, but I actually did see the Nutcracker and TDF through, uh, sorry, Tootsie through TDF. Okay. So I spent less than $100 on two tickets. I oh. sat um, third ring, aisle seat for uh, Nutcracker, mm-hmm. and then Tootsie last night, I ended up getting front row tickets, left orchestra on the aisle. What? I will say, watching Tootsie for me, this is my Tootsie review. I couldn't, I didn't really warm up to the show until the second act. Mm-hmm. I think the second act was a lot funnier. I also feel like the audience wasn't as into it as I thought they would be because I heard the show was hilarious. Um, at one point I said to myself, I wonder if Rob McClure could play this part. But as the show went on, I realized, no, only Santino could play this part mm-hmm. and very well deserved Tony. And a testament to the show, I would see it 100% again. Mm-hmm. And I'm still thinking about it today. Mm. And sometimes there are shows that I see that I forget that I saw them. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's age or just being like, I've been no, seeing I think shows. No, or... I think there's, I think, again, we go yeah. back to the power of theater. It's yeah. like, if something really has an impact on you, it will always yeah. be in your psyche. It, yeah. Just just the thought or a touch or even a sound will yeah. bring you back to that time you were at that theater. But if yeah. you've forgotten about it, that just means it's not a part of you yeah. or you probably just overlooked you. But I will say, I really enjoy Tootsie. It's hilarious. It's very sad that it's closing, but I can kind of, so, oh, we should talk about that too, but like we're already running over with this yeah. podcast. Um, I can see kind of why it's closing compared to something like Beetlejuice. Well, first off, it's at the Marquee Theater and that's a very hard theater to keep a show in. It like, is. Nothing runs at that theater. No. Now, I also did see Beetlejuice. Do I think that Tootsie's a better show? Yes. Do I think Beetlejuice is super fun? Yes. What is a larger selling point for families? Beetlejuice. Exactly. And it's interesting because when the shows first started, Tootsie was doing very well, and now all of a sudden Beetlejuice is being doing very well. Mm-hmm. But here's also the other controversy about theater and producers and money. Beetlejuice is getting pushed out of their theater because of The Music Man. The Music Man is going into that space? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I thought I, the, I thought the I thought the music man would have been on uh like around Forty Fourth Street, I near, not too far from the Schubert. Schubert. Yeah, I something like that. Thought that Kill Mockingbird was going to close, and mm, they were going to put that in there. Well, I I didn't think Mockingbird was going to close, but I thought well, it was I thought it was going to be theater. I thought it was going to be back at the space that Hugh Jackman did his uh his you know kind of one man his the little Broadhurst? one man huh the Broadhurst. Yeah, or even the Balesco or something like that. Well, the Balesco. The Balesco. Those two show. Those two theaters have shows. So Jag Little Pill is a New York Times critic pick, so that's not going anywhere. Okay. And then the Balesco is going to be having um, girl from North Country. Who's in that? People. It's um, a musical with Bob Dylan music. Okay, I, I get the appeal of that. Yeah, I, I so, do. I'm, I do enjoy some Bob Dylan. Too, you kind of forget that that theater is there. So I mean, I can Sometimes. see Mockingbird going into it. Mm-hmm. I think if you have like a big draw, like you know, mm-hmm. fuck, what's his name, Brian Cranston and Network. Yeah, well, Network. Remember, Network was on. Um, I saw Network. It was great. Again, I almost got. I did score a ticket to that. I just had to work too late, and I just I had to give up that ticket. That it's one of my biggest regrets. I will say, balcony seating in that theater is not bad because I have I know somebody who was working the box office at that time, and when I went to pick up my ticket, she said I saw your name and I was going to move your seat, but then I saw where you were sitting and it was a good seat, so I I kept it. (laughs) It's like thanks. Connections, connections, connections. Um, yes. Anyway, so is there? So those are my reviews. See Tootsie before it closes. It's interesting too because 
I don't know the Nutcracker, like, I know the premise of it. Yeah, same. Like, but, you know of the Nutcracker. Yeah, but after, but... I have a friend who works at the Philharmonic, so mm-hmm. afterwards I saw him and we were talking about the Nutcracker and I was like, yeah, this is how it ended. And he's like, it is? Because that's how it's, it's supposed to end a different way. <laughs> it's, it's all a dream and she wakes up, but this Nutcracker ends with them, like, after they're in the land of sweets, they, like, get carried off in, like, a sled with reindeer. Mm-hmm. And that's how the ballet ends. So I think it's supposed to be longer. Wow. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I know the music very well for the Nutcracker. I just wish there was, like, a little bit more, like, oomph in some of the dancing. But that's I'm also, also not a ballet dancer. But I will say I very much enjoyed it. Love Tootsie. I bought a magnet, which, Stefan, look at my refrigerator. Do I have room for another magnet? No, you do not. Exactly. No, but I bought a Tootsie not. magnet. Support the merch people, guys. If you see a show, buy something if you like it. True. Because, you know, they're hard workers, you know? I've done merch for many years. Buy something. That's all I'm going to say. I bought, an, I bought a poster or two from a, from a show. And it was expensive, but you know what? It's like, it is now... It's in my house, you know, yeah. like it, it's, it's my inspiration. I have a lot of show posts myself. All oh, right, yeah. Stefan. And Watchmen, that, that I wanted to say, I wanted to review real quick. Mm-hmm. The show, uh, to me right now, the must watch show that I'm just like loving. Every uh, Watchmen, uh, Miss Fletcher was a good one too. Yeah. Um, I, Catherine Hahn. Maisel. Marvelous yeah. Miss Maisel as well. well I'm gonna, Kath- getting back to Catherine Hahn. Yeah, Kath- well, Catherine Hahn just. She's another underrated. I mean, very people know underrated. who she is. Yeah. Um, but she's very good, and she's been working God knows how long. Oh, yeah. If you don't Yale, know who she is, Yale MFA too. You will see her in something. Well, she. Uh, I actually met her, and we. I spoke to her actually on live television. Um, and she said at the time when I think one of her big breaks at when in the beginning of her career was Revolutionary Road mm-hmm. with DiCaprio and mm-hmm. Shannon. She was fresh out of grad school and she was just like, man, I was I was working so hard back then. Like I was like as an artist, when you're coming out of school, you are trying so hard to do the work and to not make yourself appear like you're false or you're not real. And I think she said, you know, she has two kids now. She's like 44. And she said, I just got it. I just got the case of the fuckets. Yeah. You know, especially as you get older, you just start realizing, okay, I I can do this, but I don't have to do this. I can work hard and prep, but I don't have to work as hard to prep. It's just right there, you know. Mm-hmm. So Miss Fletcher is a good one. And I think it, it actually deals with, it's a dual story because yeah. it's dealing with Miss Fletcher, Catherine Hahn, and her son. Mm-hmm. You know, and how this woman is trying to, you know, um, she's, her son's out the house. Mm-hmm. She's trying to figure out what her life is now without having to cater to someone. And she begins to explore her sexuality. Mm-hmm. And as Catherine Hahn says, and this is what I'm going to definitely say, aren't we tired of seeing white dudes in space and also white dudes who are having midlife crises and messing around with women and doing these things. Like mm-hmm. why can't a woman have a moment of discovery of self, self-acceptance, uh, sexuality, just all these different things. So that's what Mrs. Fletcher explores in that end. And also her son was kind of this hyper masculine man yeah. who was, you know, a bit of a bully, uh, didn't have a respect and an understanding. And then he goes off to college and now he's struggling to figure out who he is in the world now. Yeah. Um, so I think that Miss Fletcher was a really good one and it's based on a book. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also Watchmen. Yeah. Talk about just quality 
television rooted. Oh, I don't even know if I can review Watchmen because that's, just watch it. Just watch it. That's all I'm going to say. Watchmen, you'll understand. Now, before we get to almost two hours of talking, because we're there again, if you're still listening, <laughs> Stefan will buy you a two liter of Sprite. I will. I wanted to ask you this earlier before we play this game. Do you think that because you have said you're a man of color? Yes. Do you think the industry has gotten better with diversity in casting? I'm going to say yes and I will say no. I say no because there's still 70 70% of this industry of white males are getting cast mm-hmm. in particular roles. Certain TV shows it's like we'll bring in a person of color to say that we've diversified the show or we've added something to the show, but I I call bullshit. Like I don't believe that. Like if you see the if you see these characters as white, or if you see these characters, or if you see the characters as all white, then you just do that. I mean, yeah, it's on you, but at, at the same time, it's like don't cast somebody for the sake of diversity or whatever. You cast them because they're right for the part. You cast them because they fit the vision. Do you think they do that a lot with theater? I mean, for example, with Frozen, uh-huh. Kristoff, who is white in the movie, yes, is now being portrayed by a person of color. You know, the funny thing about that is it's an animation movie. Yeah. So I don't even know if that even counts. There's a lot of controversy with them casting a person of color in the Ariel, the the Little Mermaid remake that they're doing, the live action. Which is the dumbest thing ever because her her friends, well, first of all, where is she swimming? Where is Ariel swimming? Yeah. Like, also, her friend is a Jamaican crab. Mm Mm-hmm. And you know it's interesting too when they cast a person of color as Hermione Granger mm-hmm. in the Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. Yeah. J.K. Rowling came out and said, never specified what her skin color was. Thank just you. Just said she had crazy hair. Thank you. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But that's the point. It's like, oh, this isn't supposed to happen. Why is this person who looks like this representing this? And it's just like, well, we are also artists. We're mm-hmm. actors. Our jobs are. If I want to play a woman, if I want to play a tree, if I want to play a stone, if I want to play a bottle or soda, if I want to play a microphone, I can play that. That's my job. That's what I'm supposed to be able to do. And I think for me, why I push myself so hard as an artist and what I want to tell everybody is I know I'm black. Mm -hmm. But what I want to do more than anything, I want to transcend race. Mm -hmm. If you see my you see my skin, I want you to look. Don't ever deny my skin, mm-hmm. but I want you to look past my skin for a second and actually just see the individual. Mm-hmm. I represent you. Mm-hmm. I represent the middle America. I represent the every man. I represent the every woman. I represent the lower class. I represent the upper class. I represent this phone right now. I represent that doorknob. I represent everything and everyone. That's my job. Mm-hmm. Because you see race you struggle to look past it. But at the end of the day, like we are who we are, Mm -hmm. you know, women are women. They deserve just as much love, just as much respect. They deserve to be heard and seen Mm -hmm. men, men of color. But you think we don't want to, one of my dream roles is to play Henry V. Mm -hmm. You think I don't want to, you think I don't want to do some Shakespeare and play certain leads like that. You just don't see it because you've never seen it. And it's not about daring to be different. It's about exploring. 
Mm-hmm. You say you're exploring, and this industry likes to say, oh, we're exploring, but it's like, you're not exploring, you're feeding onto the fads, the yeah. trends. You're just trending. Mm-hmm. Like, if you really explore, one of my favorite movies of 2019 was The Last Black Man in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. It was a beautiful, beautiful film about uh, two men living in San Francisco, the gentrified, changing San Francisco, and trying to hold on to the culture and the life of San Francisco. And it's a beautiful film. Has not been nominated. Mm-hmm. Didn't get nominated for Golden Globes, performances, directing, anything. I mean, well, it's, I've never heard of it. So, but see, that's what I mean. That's and the it, problem. but it also won. It it also won the Sundance. It won the big prize at the Sundance Film Festival last year. You know, a lot of films, even if they come with Sundance, it, that's a the, the that's whole, a whole new story to independent. Stefan's gonna be on this podcast a lot. I will. Yeah. Um, that's a whole other conversation for another time because yeah. that's dealing with certain independent films and not, and a lot of times independent films are actually better than a lot of big budget films and they don't get a lot of credit and kudos. Like some of my favorite films are actually independent and sometimes the better quality films, the better acting are in the independent film genre. Oh yeah. Well, cause they don't have time. Yeah. They, they don't have time and they don't have money, but yeah. there are often times where you see that the industry, they're taking the big budget and they're trying to shoot a movie like it's an independent film, yeah. but on a big budget, which is not doesn't work. That does not work. And but some the industry gets know, away with it. There's not though. a name in this independent film. Sometimes people just don't know about it. Yeah, but artists. I mean, come on. Every artist knows it and recognizes it. Artists nowadays are jumping ship and going to every type of. They're going. They're going to every type of medium they can yeah. to because that's where the work is. You know how many actors are doing? You know how many professional actors are doing audiobooks now? Yeah. Because that's, I get to read, I get to read this, I get to do this, I get to play like this. Yeah. It's, yeah. All right. Well, yeah. we were going to play a game, but since this podcast is almost two hours long, we're not going to. <laughs> so, Stefan, as we come to a close with the Theater Enthusiast and Other Things podcast. And I'm definitely the, <laughs> I'm definitely the enthusiast. Same Z's. Same Z's. Um, is there anything you wanted to ask me before we close out this podcast? I mean, how many, how can someone get in contact with you to do this podcast? Because I think this is. Follow Theater Enthusiast Podcast on Instagram. Hmm. And I'm also at Theater Enthusiast at Gmail. It's, this is my third episode. It's still very rough. I'm still trying to work out the kinks. Follow Stefan on Instagram. You want to plug yourself? I'm uh, I'm at Petway88. You can follow me on Instagram, Twitter. Um, You can find me also on Facebook. No stalking. Um, I am going to post this on my Facebook. Please. And tag Stefan in it. So you will be able to find it that way. And he also follows my podcast on Instagram. Yes, I do. Do that. And, you know, I post a lot about the hot priest because, quite frankly, who doesn't love Andrew Scott as and, a hot priest? And Andrew Scott is a beast. He is, he's the shit. I'm just going to put it out there. He's Andrew, a great actor. he is a great actor. Oh, which reminds me, getting back to review it really quickly, I did see the National Theater broadcast of Present Laughter with Andrew Scott. How was that? Fantastic. Mm. He's incredible. Very well deserved Evening Standard Award. Mm-hmm. Um, He's incredible. Again, another thing I will always appreciate about uh, the British culture when it comes to theater, their community of artists, they know that they could train at the best best of the schools. They can go to Hollywood, do whatever, but many of them always, always, always 
come back to their communities, they teach, they do theater, and they do long runs. And they never skip a beat. So uh, shouts out to also my friend Liz, who's also studying in England right now, Mm -hmm. getting her master's degree. I'm... Just super all right, impressed with like all you guys, man. I have Stefan do one dramatic reading. Okay. So this was going to be the game called um, Stefan Dramatic Reads a Comedic Line from a Movie or a TV Show. There's only one line from a TV show. Okay. So to close this out, Stefan, give me a dramatic reading of something you pick out. Uh, okay, okay, here we go. All right, pick okay. one. What's right. the line? All right, you keep using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. That is from The Princess Bride, where he goes, you keep using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. Okay. That's um, Indigo Montoya, played by uh, The great Manny Patinkin. So, do you want to do a dramatic reading of that line, or would you like to pick something else? I'll give it a go. All right. This is theater. We so say to yes. to close this out, this is Stefan Petaway doing a dramatic reading of a line mm. from The Princess Bride. You keep using that word. I don't think it means what you think it means. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Till next time. Have a good one, guys. Later, everybody. Bye-bye.